This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Coming up to four minutes past four. It's Monday morning. It's the 16th of March and it's cold again and wet and miserable, but who cares? There's some blooming disco downstairs. You've never heard it. The bass pump. It must be deafening down there. Bad enough up here. Elton John's in the paper today. He's had one hell of a hissy fit with uh, with Dolce & Gabbana. You've probably heard about it already, but uh, we'll, we'll go into the whys and wherefores. I'm trying not to mention Jeremy Clarkson today, but I have a horrible feeling it might resurface a little bit later on. Oh, Easter's cancelled, by the way. That's what one of the train companies says. Don't bother to travel, because you all like to get away, don't you? Don't go by train. And if you're sitting behind a tractor in those little country lanes and it's pootling along without a care in the world, there's a £100 fine, which they're going to be given. 10000 handed out every year. And the family of the boat race legend have banned his confidant from his grave. It's, um, this is Dan Topolsky. Now, you probably know the story of Dan Topolsky because he was the man responsible for the Oxford-Cambridge boat race and it was made into a fabulous film called True Blue. And it was absolutely brilliant. Anyway, it turned out he was a bit of a ladies' man, so he has a fling. And uh, he has a fling for quite some time with this lady. And he's, he's married and all the rest of it. Now, I don't know whether the marriage had split. I've got no idea. He's, he's, he's dead now. But his, um, his, his lady, on the side, well, not, not on the side as, as often as we might have thought, um, phoned up the family to find out where he's been buried. And the family told it to off. And you think, should she not have a right to know where he's buried? They had a fling for ages and ages. Perhaps they're a bit embarrassed. Perhaps they're a bit embarrassed by it. Uh, the town that's got 11 bookmakers we'll look at today. Uh, Gemma Collins, the diva. Poor old Gemma Collins, honestly. What can she get right? Nothing. Still stuffing her face. Uh, trouble brewing over PG tips. And uh, the man who's daring to tell the truth about race. Plus, of course, they've got uh, three more people without a brain cell who were dobbed in by their family because they went, they've disappeared. We think they've gone to Turkey. We think they're going to join ISIS. And uh, luckily, the Turkish uh, border security were there, and they've got them, and they've been sent straight home. Brilliant. So what do we do with them? What do we do with them? They've been arrested, and I think they're out on bail. What is it, a 19-year-old and two 17-year-olds? Again, we found another three without a brain cell, another three stupid people, but obviously the family. And then the original family of the three girls, girl, they won't lie down and shut up, will they? Well, they're blaming everybody now. Having sort of tried to just lay the blame on the door of the police, now it's the school, now it's just about everybody, except themselves, of course, because they're too blind to see that the mistake lies at their doorstep. They are the parents. Take responsibility for your own blooming children. And for God's sake, just shut up, because every time you open your mouths, you're making yourself look more silly by the daytime. Uh, apart from that, what happened yesterday? God, it was cold. Have you ever been out? I went to, we decided to go for breakfast. It was too cold to do anything, so we did a walk in, uh, in Regent's Park, which is lovely. God, it was freezing. Oh, it was really cold. It was one of those bitter days where you think, well, I did predict that the weather had you know, it was going to go a bit pear-shaped. I don't know, I was surprised. And I said, all I want to do today, I just want to go for some breakfast. I feel like, you know, the sausage, egg, and anyway, we didn't get that. So we go to uh, Marylebone High Street. And there's a, there's a variety of, of places there, all of them not offering what you really want. What you really want is egg, bacon, sausage. You want the whole fry-up. And I'm sure you could probably get it. We couldn't find it. And uh, you end up going to one of these places where, I mean, God, no, pretentious crap or what? So on it, it said scrambled egg. And I thought, well, that sounds quite nice. I thought, all right, I'll have scrambled. There was nothing else on there. Apart from that, I mean, really, I'll show you how, how pretentious it was. I said, to, to start, 
I'll have a cup of tea. The cup of tea comes with a teapot, a cup without any handles on it, so you hold it like a soup bowl. I mean, is that pretentious or what? And then, the, and I said, I'll have a croissant on butter. Did they bring it on a plate? Did they buffalo? It arrives on a small wooden board. I mean, it, it was just personified crap. A wooden board with a croissant on it. Well, of course, as you know, croissants are very messy. The moment you break them open, you're covered in bits and pieces. The butter comes in the little packets, which is quite sweet, in its own little dish. And so I thought, oh, God. I mean, I wasn't paying, as it turned out. But it was, it was you know, it was OK. But I mean, have you ever heard of a cup of tea in, like, a little soup bowl with no handles on it? And people seem to take to this kind of garbage. So, uh, so I couldn't wait for the scrambled egg to arrive, and it did. The smallest piece of scrambled egg you've ever seen in your entire life. I mean, seriously, you could have hidden mine under a leaf. And you know what they put with it? For breakfast. This is for breakfast, OK? This is 9.30 in the morning. 9.30 in the morning. And you get two pieces of... Well, you could laughingly not call them toast. It was just obviously bread that had been stuck in the oven. And a um, little tiny bit of, of, um, of the scrambled egg. And, and guess what? Salad. For breakfast. What kind of pillow keeps salad for breakfast? I mean, dear God, it, it came with salad, a little bit of rocket and some tomato for breakfast. You know, I wouldn't mind the tomato was cooked. I mean, to be honest with you, I had to eat the, the scrambled egg fairly quickly because it was in danger of evaporating before my very eyes. I mean, oh, it's farm fresh eggs. I thought, well, and obviously not a complete one. And for this, and a friend of mine had uh, probably what I should have had, which was a bowl of porridge with some banana on it. And uh, and a double espresso, and the bill came to £20.34 or whatever it was. But I just couldn't believe it. A cup of tea in a cup with no handles on it. I mean, really? I shan't be going there ever again. It was just rubbish. I've been there before. Actually, the last time I was in there, if you remember, we saw Michael Palin, but I'd forgotten. I didn't have scrambled egg last time. But they obviously don't do anything, because perhaps they don't have a cooking licence, so they do this sort of quasi-breakfasty kind of thing. But I mean, have you ever heard of it? A croissant on, a, on like, a board... Like a wooden board, which took up most of the table anyway. It was, it was terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. So anyway, did that, and I sort of up at home, and I thought, right, I'm going to... God, it's so cold, I'm going to put the heating on. So I put the heating on, and uh, the trouble is, with me and heating, we, we don't kind of go well together. I fall asleep. And so by about four o'clock yesterday afternoon, I'd nodded off, I'm afraid. I just could not stay awake. I just could not stay awake. <laughs> and um, and so that was it. That was me for the count yesterday, which was lovely, which was great. Uh, what else are we going to talk about this morning? Oh, I, I, I've got to talk about this thing about the, the man who's uh, telling the truth about race. The things you can say and the things you can't say. You know, and the man is well known to you all on LBC because he's Trevor Phillips. And he said it's absolutely ridiculous. The things that you can say and the things that you can't say nowadays. So I'll come around to that a little bit later on. Uh, Kelvin McKenzie is talking about um, uh, Jeremy Clarkson. You know, big enough and wealthy enough to defend himself, so he doesn't need me to add to his PR push. He has enough friends in the media to do that, which is uh, absolutely right. I'm so, uh, do you know, I tell you, even A.A. Gill's jumped in on this one. And it's... Oh, I tried not to talk about it. God, sorry. But um, it is it is ridiculous. The BBC are making themselves look like prize so-and-sos because they've dragged this out for ever and ever and ever and ever. I mean, it's just... Just get on with it, you bunch of girls. So, so they're going to have a, a sort of um, a board where they're going to discuss what to do with him. You know, why doesn't Clarkson just go, I tell you what, pfft, do one. 
you know, and go to uh, to Sky. They'll welcome him with open arms. You won't have to put up with those faffy arounds at the BBC. Remember the people who covered up Jimmy Savile, the people who covered up um, Rolf Harris, the people who covered up... It's all going on. And then we can't find out, because I read it yesterday in the paper about somebody likening him to Jimmy Savile. And, and, and we, we couldn't find... It's just a producer. I've never really liked it. That person should be fired immediately. They're quite clearly too stupid to be doing anything at all in the way of producing. What is it with producers all of a sudden? They start thinking they've got a voice. The other one, of course, the Irish boy, has not, not said a word. He's gone into hiding. And his, um, his lawyers have advised him to say nothing. His lawyers? What are we talking here? Good God, I tell you what, let's start building a guillotine, shall we? I've never heard so much garbage surrounding a programme presenter in my entire life. Normally, you know, somebody does something wrong, they just go. They just go if they thought it was... But to drag this out for more than a week is is tantamount to cruelty of the worst possible... I mean, to be honest with you, I personally couldn't give a forex whether he stays or goes. It doesn't make any difference to me. I just think that they're dragging it out so badly that they're making themselves look completely stupid. Just doesn't work, does it? And then there's Elton John. Oh, my goodness me. You know, and uh, Sarah says, you should have gone to Patisserie Valerie, grateful English. No, it's not grateful English. I've been to Patisserie Valerie before. It's certainly not a grateful English. They're doing sort of the, uh, the sort of the snooty version of what they think is. I've had breakfast in there loads of times. It's not a grateful English. So let's not oversell it, Sarah. And uh, another one here. It says... Um, uh, Sue Ann said, did you get my St. Patrick's Day card? No, don't think so. I'm quite sure, actually, I'm going to be getting loads of cards for St. Patrick's Day and all the rest of it, which is great. Uh, I love the way that poor old Robin Luton, the millionaire's dumping ground, we all know what Luton's famous for, don't we, Rob? And it ain't you. And uh, Katie Price hobnobbing with royalty. She muscled in on having a picture taken, and that's as far as it went. Anything else is just PR puff, as I'm sure you, being an intelligent child, should know. Of course, I have a sneaking feeling you haven't really got a brain cell, have you, to talk about. Uh, Here's Elton John. Now, Dolce and Cabana make clothes, apparently. They're very popular. And then uh, they've they've come out with this statement. This is uh, Domenico Dolce and Stefano Cabana. Uh, They're two of the richest men in Italy. Uh, They used to be boyfriends. Now they're not, but they're still friends, obviously, because otherwise it wouldn't be called Dolce and Cabana. And... um, they have dismissed children born via IVF as synthetic. Now, everybody's entitled to a belief. Everybody's entitled. But once you tangle with Elton, you know what he's going to be like. He's going to be bad on it. And he's actually called the children chemical offspring. <laughs> now, to be honest with you, I thought that Elton could have been a bit bigger and just gone, oh, go away, go away. But, um, but he hasn't. He, 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 he posted a picture with the kids, and they are beautiful kids. There's no two ways about it. But they are what I call designer children. They are designer children. They're theirs, but they're designer children. But uh, they actually called them uh, chemical offspring. Elson has said, how dare you refer to my children as synthetic? And shame on you. He can't, he, he's, off on a, he's off on one here. For wagging your judgmental little finger at IVF. A miracle that's allowed legions of loving people, both straight and gay, to fulfil their dream of having children. Your... Uh, archaic thinking is out of step with the times like your fashions. I shall never wear Dolce & Gabbana ever again. Hashtag boycott Dolce & Gabbana. It's so funny because he's, he's, he's kind of... He, he does buy Dolce & Gabbana and now he's, he's actually called them... Their, uh, their fashions are out of step with the time. But he carried on buying them. So, again, you know, once old, uh, once old Elton, once old Reg has a bit of a hissy fit, you're off, you're off and running with it. And so um, the uh, Dolce & Gabbana have hit back. They've not apologised. 
They've not apologised at all. They've just they 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 they've gone for it big time. Wombs for hire, uh, semen chosen from a catalogue, and then you have to explain to these children who their mother is. And so it goes. This is going to be the spat of all spats. Of course, Dolce and Gabbana have friends in high places. Two of their friends are Naomi Campbell and Victoria Beckham. Now I wonder whether or not Elton will manage to get a comment out of old Vic and Naomi. Because you know what uh, Vic's like. She'll hang around with just about anybody. Uh, but if, if Elton phones her up and goes, I want you to boycott them publicly, will she say, well, it's not really my argument, is it, really? Naomi Cam, I shouldn't know where she is half the time, so there's no point in, uh, in asking her to do anything at all. But it would be interesting, you know, to, to see what they... But they also condemn gay marriages. They are gay, but they've condemned gay marriages. And, uh, and they, they say that the image should be, you know, of a mother and child, not... Two daddies. Oh, very confusing, isn't it? But anyway, I, I, either way, Elton has gone ballistic over this one. Absolutely ballistic. And um, the Zachary and Elijah are four and two. Uh, the singer's previous spats include one with Madonna, who he called a fairground stripper. Do you remember? <laughs> I, I like it when he has his when he has his little spats. I think it's quite funny. But this one could, uh, you know, I shall. I wonder if he'll throw out all his Dolce Gabbana stuff. Loads of other people have said they're actually going to throw it out. I personally don't actually possess any Dolce and Gabbana, and I wouldn't be throwing it out at the price it costs, even if I did have it. Ridiculous, isn't it? This is obviously Elton's private hell going on at the moment. But the kids are gorgeous. They're absolutely gorgeous. But uh, how much power does Elt wield among his friends? No doubt we'll find out over the next week. 17 past four. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning. Three British teenagers are being held by police after being sent back to the UK from Turkey on suspicion of terrorism offences. Could this now mark a turning point in the crackdown on gap year jihadis? The NHS says owed more than 60 million from health tourists. You know who they are. They're the ones who sort of get on a plane somewhere and they arrive here and they go straight to hospital. They have no intention of paying and it can be everything from, uh, from childbirth to heart surgery to cancer treatment, everything. And they have no intention of paying, and they just rip us off. I think the government should be doing a lot more to chase up these foreign patients who haven't paid their dues. Let's go round to them. OK, we had one, one woman, she'd racked up something like 250,000 quids worth of free treatment. I don't think so, darling, we're coming after you. Daisy McAndrew, political journalist and broadcaster, is doing the papers. This morning, that's all after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. So, what a... What are the ten true things that you can't say? This has come from... It's, it's a, a devastating critique. The ex-head of Britain's Equality Watchdog, who is Trevor Phillips, says the political class's failure to confront unpalpable facts about race has had appalling consequences. For example, by pretending grooming by Asian gangs doesn't happen, you condone it. You know, that's why Rotherham was pushed under the radar. They left it. Oh, I don't want to mention that. Why? It's Asian gangs. It's Asian perverts, Asian paedophiles. That's who they are. These are the other things which are true, he says, that you can't say. Street grooming gangs come from the Pakistani Mirpuri community. Rome, Romanians are far more likely to be pickpockets. Well, that's strange Trevor says that because we did a thing looking at the court some time ago. Do you remember? I think Nick Ferrari followed it up as well and did it too, where they were looking at the people in courts and Romanians were the pickpockets. Uh, white and poor is the new black. Irish people run the building trade. Well, not for ages. Not for ages. I mean, we have a company called Conway's at the moment doing all our wider pavements. I don't think there's one Irish person there. It's a very Irish name, Conway, but I mean, all the people, I've not heard one piece of English spoken, so I'm assuming they're all from sort of, you know, East European countries. And Jewish households are twice as wealthy as the rest. All my Jewish listeners are going, yeah, big up the Jewish households. 
And um, and the other one here, it says, smart parents put their kids in class with Asians. These are, they're, they're, they're ten through true things that you can't say, says, says, says Trevor Phillips. A lot of white MPs are nervous about race. It is just the most ridiculous thing, isn't it? It is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I don't know, talk about being PC, but I mean, there's, there is being PC and then there is taking it a bit too far. You know, if, you know, you've, you've got to call it for what it is. It's as simple as that. You go to the courts. You have a look at who's up in court at the moment. They did a big piece. I don't know who did it. It might have been the Express. On uh, on how many people come here. We know that we've got, you know, from East European countries, paedophiles, rapists, murderers, child abusers. They're all living here. We can't get rid of them because they found the uh, the ambulance chaser lawyers who go, oh, no, you can't because their human rights are going to be affected. What a load of rubbish. What's a load of rubbish. Nobody ever checks it. Nobody ever checks it. They just go, oh, right, your human rights. You know, who was that one who went back a short while ago? Oh, the parents of Jihadi John. You know, he's, he's been stuck in this country on benefits for God knows how long. Why? He can't go back to Kuwait. It's amazing. The moment uh, Jihadi John was exposed to his son, he was on the plane so blooming fast, you could see, you know, skid marks leading up the, uh, the steps to the aeroplane. It was that, that fast. And he went back to Kuwait, where apparently he has a house. Not surprised on the money we've been paying him. Neil says, I only drive into work or home from work on a Sunday morning. He's on shift. He, he won't be listening, though. It doesn't matter. He says, but I always tune into you and frankly laugh all the way in. I love the risky wit and the observations, which so often are so funny and true. Katie Price, Kerry Katona, all take a good kicking. He said, brilliant. And your bit this morning on Top Gear and Jeremy Clarks was spot on. He said, I've worked 35 years in the public service, the police, and spent most of it minding my P's and Q's for fear of offending anybody. So it's quite refreshing and funny to listen to your observations. He said, I've never written to a radio presenter before. So there you go. He said, I think you deserve some credit. Well, I think the fact I'm still here with another, with another, um, another one of those contracty things, which you go, yeah, got a contract, which is quite nice. That's what old people want in this business, isn't it? I don't believe in PC. I think it's shilly-shallying around. It's like going around the houses. Who cares? You know, if, if something's true, you tell people it's true. I've never lied about anything in my life. I don't need to. don't need to. Mary Berry says she'll never eat horse. I had Phil at steak yesterday. It's only because it was cheap. I only bought it because it was cheap, £6.50, which I thought for fillet steak was quite good. And, and I, as I was looking at it, I was thinking, could it be horse? Would I, would I know? And the answer is, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have the faintest idea. But uh, she says that there's only one animal horse that she won't cook or eat because it reminds her of a treasured childhood friend. And that's the trouble, isn't it, really? If you've got treasured childhood friends, you can't really sort of, you can't sort of eat them. So she wouldn't. But the trouble is, if she was served it, would she know if somebody lied about it and said, you know, it's something completely different? I wonder. Because when I was cutting this, this, this steak up the other day, I did think to myself, it could be horse and I wouldn't know. Here she is, the Mulberry handbag. Very, very popular with people, especially if you're on benefits. And uh, Cheryl Prudum. A pregnant mother of 11. She gets more than uh, 40 grand a year in benefits. Uh, she was buying one the other day. Oh, I so want to go on benefits. It must be so lovely to go into Mulberry. So there she is out with them. Not exactly known which one she purchased. But uh, there was a nice £850 one in the window. My God, it's a bit of a malarkey. She's pregnant again, of course, you know, as she will be. You feel a bit sorry for the kids, don't you? But uh, what they've done is that the, the, the family get £39,192 a year. Uh, on top of his salary of a thousand six hundred as a delivery driver, so they get about sixty grand a year. They've managed to avoid the government's twenty-six grand a year benefits cap because he works enough hours to claim working tax credit. They've learned how to play the system, you know, and we and we sort of put up with it. But uh, they've been together six years. They're waiting on a on a seven-bedroom house, the five-bedroom one they're in at the moment, a little bit too uh, too small. 
To be honest with you, I just wish she'd stop having sex. That would do everybody a favour, wouldn't it? And then there's nervous postmen. I think most postmen get a little bit nervous, don't they? We found some extremely nervous postmen in London. Um, They won't deliver without bodyguards. And this is to a, a block of flats called Roland Hill. It's near Waterloo in central London. They don't want to deliver there. They do not want to deliver there. And so, uh, initially, Royal Mail refused to deliver at all, forcing residents to take a bus to the nearby sorting office. Then a local Lib Dem councillor complained and eventually offered to act as a guard three days a week with volunteers from the flats. And so now every Monday, Wednesday and Thursday, a band of pensioners waits outside to police the deliveries. Gives you a rough idea what sort of lowlifes live in this place. Ghastly. Apparently they will only deliver if a female councillor is stood at the postman's side. It's ridiculous, really, isn't it? Um, the residents are angry. Well, kind of tough, isn't it, really? Uh, I spoke to a guy waiting for a hip operation who could miss it as a result of not getting his post immediately. Well, kind of tough, isn't it? There's always one somewhere. Like, you miss your own funeral, wouldn't you? The woman at the centre of the row, Council Tenant Rachel O'Connor, alleges it was the postman who attacked her in the lift. Oh, I tell you, I just I wouldn't bother delivering anything to her at all. Police took no further action due to a lack of evidence, but a source claimed the assault involved nothing more than Miss O'Connor pushing the postman and the postman pushing her back. What sort of person is she? God, honestly. And I mean, to be honest with you, if I was a postman, I'd be saying, I'm not delivering there. I'd make it a union issue. I'd make it a, a union issue. Oh, God, I knew he'd come out with it sooner or later. Dreary old Callum Best has done a book called Second Best, My Dad and Me by Callum Best. Oh, God, how boring. He says when he had a heart transplant, his son thought it was a new start, and then his father's alcoholism drove him to drink. He was hiding brandy in Lucozade bottles. Do you know, I'm so bored with drunk stories, Callum. I really couldn't give a toss, I'm afraid. I couldn't care less. I'm really not remotely interested. Booze is the only way I can cope with his drinking. Oh, poor you as well. Poor you. Anyway, I'm sure another holiday in Dubai and another young girl to sort of drape over your arm will kind of sort it all out for you, won't it? I do hope so. Uh, I will do the uh, the story about uh, Dan Topolsky, because I think it's quite a good one, actually. Uh, there's also the story that uh, your children's meals in restaurants are absolutely covered in uh, in over a day's worth of salt. It's terrible, really. I don't know why McDonald's still insists on putting salt over all their fries. Why don't they just leave them and then give people little packets of salt and you can put it on there if you want it? That would be easier, wouldn't it? Because they liberally throw it over everything. You know, you feel like saying, can I have chips, but I don't want any salt on them. Thank you very much indeed. That'd confuse them, wouldn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at uh, at lbc.co.uk. Another one here. Uh, Ziggy says, uh, bills in Richmond for the full... They don't do a full English. What are you, stupid or something? Your idea of a full English ain't my idea of a full English. God, blimey. What's the matter with people? Somebody says, do Dolce & Gabbana make clothes in old Reg's size? Well, I should imagine when you get to Reg's uh, age and size, they'll make anything you like. Absolutely anything you like. Uh, eating horse, Steve. A couple of the guys at work enjoy a flutter. They'd happily eat the nags that they'd lost their shirt on. That's Kevin the Milkman. <laughs> that would be interesting, wouldn't it? That would be very, very... That'd be quite, quite funny, actually. I quite like that idea. Uh, eight for eight. Terry the Cab says, perfect fry-up, seven days a week, opposite Marylebone Station. Well, I know Marylebone Station. What do you mean, opposite Marylebone Station? You come out of it, there's the back of the Landmark Hotel... Out of the state. Come out the side, there's nothing. And so, come, and then there's a new agent over the road. Where is it? Where is this place for a perfect fry-up? And then there's, at uh, the other side, you've got the Tesco. You've got the Seashell. I don't know, there's any cafes down there, are there? Where, 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 where is the, what's it called? 
I need to know these things. Just like to make sure because I do spend a lot of time going going round the area. I have to. I've got friends who live down there. Uh, we'll come back to uh, more from the papers in a moment. We take all your texts and emails. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Monday, the 16th of March. It's nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. I've just worked out, actually, one health tourist, which is... Uh, Nick's going to be talking about this later on, on breakfast, has, has racked up a bill of £420,000. No intention of paying whatsoever. As far as I'm concerned, we know we have a brilliant National Health Service. Might be some of you disagree with that, but I've always been a big advocate of the NHS. Big advocate. And... Um, I think what we do, somebody turns up and they go, oh, I need some uh, some treatment here. You go, yeah, absolutely fine. Credit card? Sorry? Credit card. I don't have a credit card. Well, you're not getting treated then, are you? Why should you be treated? You haven't paid anything into a system. Kick them out again. I wouldn't have any hesitation. Credit card. Those with credit cards here, those without credit cards... You can go and sit in the car park, as far as I'm concerned. But I might die. Well, you might die then. You might die. Bit of a shame, isn't it, really? You've got a credit... It's like that in America. Do you have medical insurance? Uh, no. We're not treating you. No hospital would take you in without medical insurance. They really won't. We over here, we just get ripped off by people left, right and centre. Several others owe more than £100,000. You know, people have come in for dialysis. One person, 15000 quid for treatments of alcoholism. You know, just ridiculous. One of the most brazen cases is Zimbabwean advertising executive called Caroline Nadezeo owes three grand after giving birth in Norfolk and Norwich University Hospital, then appeared in a publicity photo with the Tory health minister, Dan Poulter. Must be some joke, mustn't it? Small wonder. Do you think the people in the NHS want to treat all these people? No, you're paying for it, you're paying for it. If you paid into the system, that's the benefit you get. You just turned up on a plane at Heathrow Airport and got a very expensive taxi to take you to the hospital. As far as I'm concerned, the taxi should turn around and take you all the way back. Charge you twice, at least. But no, it should be a case of credit cards or uh, you're not getting treated. And the sooner we put our foot down, the better. But, of course, you'll probably find a lawyer who will then go, well, you can't do that. can't do that, can you, at all? could be terrible, you know. All these, all these poor people could die. I couldn't care less. I really couldn't care less. What's the, what's the largest... What's the largest living thing in... Uh, what's, well, just the largest living thing. You never guess it in a million years. I could sit here till the cows come home, but uh, you wouldn't know. There's, there's some questions here from QI. And, uh, for example... Here we are. Simple one to start with, OK? What fruit is in a Jaffa cake? Okay, everybody knows what fruit is in a Jaffa cake, don't you? Apricot. Okay, you think it's orange, don't you? It's apricot. Sorry about that. Sorry to ruin it for you. It's apricot. And uh, what it is, it's uh, apricot jam. It's a pulp. And then it gets a squirt of tangerine oil. But uh, it's apricot. Okay. So what's the largest living thing? The largest living... I mean, this one you would... if you, As I say, I could sit here and grow a beard and you still wouldn't know. You still wouldn't know. The largest living thing, as it stands at the moment, is a mushroom. This mushroom covers... <laughs> even I can't believe it. 2,200 acres. That's how big this mushroom is. And it's aged between two and 8,000 years old. Most of it is buried underground in the form of a massive mat of tentacles, like white uh, sort of mylar, you know, that sort of stuff there. And so it's the mushroom's equivalents of roots. So they spread along tree roots, killing the trees, peeping up through the soil occasionally as innocent-looking clumps of honey mushrooms. It's the honey fungus of Oregon. Originally, they thought it was separate clusters, but they've now confirmed it is the biggest single organism connected under the soil. It's all one thing. 
2,200 acres. Woo! Now you know. Who invented the telephone? Come on, who invented the telephone? Come on, if you didn't get the uh, the Jaffa cake one, you're not going to know you know this one at all. Uh, this is Antonio Mucci. He invented it years. Years. 1871. Five years before Alexander Graham Bell. Where's the driest place on earth? Go on. That's a simple one, isn't it? The driest place. You won't get it. You'll never get it. That's why I love QI. It's just it's just so good. Um, <laughs> if, if I tell you, you're going to go, ooh, that's not true. Antarctica. Antarctica is the driest place on earth. Uh, some parts of it have seen no rain for two million years. So there you go. I don't know how they work that bit out. Um, I like that. What's the unluckiest date? That's always fairly pop. We all go, don't we? Like we did on Friday. Oh, it's Friday the 13th. No, it's not the unluckiest date. The unluckiest date is Monday the 27th. Why is Monday the 27th the most unluckiest date? Because that, according to the Automobile Association, has revealed that more accidents are likely to happen on Monday the 27th than on any other day of the month. Well, funny. Just so you think Friday the 13th, better not put it through then. Let's do Monday the 27th, because it's kind of coming up to the end of the month, isn't it? And then there was another one which I quite like. Um, What's quite interesting about Scotland? Kilts, bagpipes, haggis, porridge and whiskey. None of them are Scottish. None of them are Scottish. A Celtic tribe from Ireland who arrived in what the Romans called Caledonia in the 5th or 6th century AD. Kilts were invented by the Irish, but the word kilt is Danish. The bagpipes are probably even more ancient and come from Central Asia. They are mentioned in the Old Testament and in Greek poetry. The Romans probably brought them to Britain, but the earliest Pictish carvings date from the 8th century AD. Haggis was originally an ancient Greek sausage, while oat porridge has been discovered in the stomach contents of a a Neolithic bog body, both found in Europe and Scandinavia. And whiskey was invented in ancient China. It arrived in Ireland before Scotland was first distilled by monks. So there you go. So now you know. See, you're now a better informed person. It's good, isn't it? You're now a much better person. Much better person. 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. Another one hit right on the corner next to the paper shop. Trust me, says Terry. Trust you. (laughs) Do they do fried bread, though? Fried bread is my bit of a weakness. I haven't had it for years. I promise you. I mean, I seriously, I, I could, I, I would kill somebody for a piece of fried bread. Sad, isn't it, really? David Beckham has earned more than since he retired as a football star, banking £50.8 million last year. So there you go. £50.8 million. And that was through Whiskey. Uh, Adidas pay him £13.5 million. GBG, I don't know what that is, pay £13.5 million. His fragrances, £4 million. And um, Sky, four million as well. So in other words, he's just rent a body, isn't he? You just, you know, you pay him the money, he'll just do about anything you like. Anything you like. Kelly Brook has a knot in common with her new best pal and not-so-flatmate, Natalie Lauren. They're sharing an apartment. Good Lord, they've only just come round to that one, have they? Apparently, uh, Kelly's filming a comedy show in America. I always thought she was fairly funny. Always makes me laugh every time I see a picture of her, which has been uh, which has been set up. Victims of Jimmy Savile blasted the BBC after these comments. After a senior executive compared Jeremy Clarkson to this paedophile, I don't, I've got no idea how this. I mean, perhaps it's somebody's a bit brain dead. The unnamed TV boss, you know, it won't take him long to find out who it is. You just know that the Sun or the Mirror, probably more likely the Sun, are going to find out. Somebody will go. I'll tell you exactly who that was. And they're going to name this person. And they're going to be pictured coming out of the BBC with their hand over their face. Go away. No publicity. No publicity. 
Are you the one who, in, who sort of, you know, likened him to Jimmy Savile? Oh, dear. Can't wait to find them. Cannot wait to find them. Clarkson was being comforted by his former lover, Philippa Sage, in his Chelsea flat. That's OK. I love the way that, this, that the same person who sort of likened him to Jimmy Savile said, he needs to go into rehab. He's in a bad place. It's not a bad place at all. He's having a wonderful time. He's having an absolutely wonderful time. Why are they trying to make out? He's going round the bend. He's not going round the bend at all. What they need to do is they need to sit down with him in a room and get it over and done within about five seconds and say to the producer, Wassin or whatever his name is, uh, you know, do you want to make a complaint against him? No, I don't. End of story. End of story. You know, you don't need to drag this out any longer unless you really are going for sort of sticking knives between his shoulder blades. You know, if, 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 the, if the person who is at the centre of this doesn't want to make any complaint and nobody else wants to, then uh, let's just leave it, shall we? Shall we get on with our lives and try and worry about better things in the world, like how many more children are going to be radicalised? Mind you, the good news is that is, if Turkey had now gone, oh, right, we found these, these three kids, we're going to send them back, I think that that's great. That will now close an entry point for these poor brain-dead little jihadis in this country who are too stupid for their own good. Luckily, the parents sort of alerted uh, the authorities... And uh, and that's good. I think that's good. They've now been arrested on terrorism charges. I don't know what you do with them. I don't know what you do with them, but at least it means we've got better relations with the Turkish authorities. And that means anybody else goes out there. I'm sorry, who are you? Uh, my name's Shamina Begum, or whatever it was, all these other ones. No, that's it. You're under arrest. Sending you back on the next plane. Works. It's, it's fine, isn't it? Why would you? Because to be honest with you, what happens is a lot of these uh, boys will be killed in fighting. It's as simple as that. You know, it's their, their, their business. That's what they want to do, but they're trying to protect them from that. And the girls will undoubtedly be treated like third-class citizens. They'll be into forced marriages. If they seri- seriously want to marry psychopathic killers, well, that's their business. But they'll be in forced marriages, and their life is very cheap out there. You know, the authorities will be gunning down. When, when, when there'll be a gun battle, and they start running ISIS out of t- town, and you know they dress up as women, don't you? The ISIS men, so a lot of transvestism going on there. Perhaps that's why they're a bit jealous of everybody else. They like dressing up as women, but they all the women that they dress up as have got moustaches. Slightly odd, but there you go. And uh, so now, if, if we've closed the borders at Turkey, that's fantastic. No more can go out there. No more people need to go there. We can just send them straight back again, have them arrested, throw them in prison, forget about them. Much easier, isn't it? Uh, another one here, very quick. I'm trying to get as many in as I can this morning. Somebody says, fried bread with beef dripping and salt and pepper. I'm going to be sick, actually. That sounds even more disgusting than I can think of. What fried? So having fried it in oil, you're then adding beef dripping. Oh, no, please. Oh, dear. Malcolm says, I thought the largest living thing, according to you, was Gemma Collins. It is true, actually. Gemma Collins is the largest living thing. She's the size of three beach huts. But she has got a little photo shoot with the outsize Evans. Evans is the outsize shop, although they've dropped the word outsize because, you know, I wanted to make them say Evans for fat people, but they didn't like that. They just like the word Evans, so they've airbrushed her and they put her in some outfits, but apparently she's being a bit of a diva on set because she, she sadly believes her own publicity. The publicity is that she's sad and lonely. We know that because we saw the breakdown when she went out to I'm a Celebrity, which she actually didn't bother doing. She just sort of sat there being a bit of a drip for ages and ages. And uh, but now she's started turning up late. Apparently, even Bobby Cole Norris, he's the butcher's thing in the programme, even he's sort of j- just sick to death of it. But now, mind you, he doesn't appear to have any friends at all. I feel a bit sorry for him, really. I'm sure he must have one friend in the world, but who they are, we've got no idea. Uh, Teresa says, bit of shame on that mushroom. It's not going to fit in my frying pan now. 
<laughs> and Jock says, McDonald's chips contain 14 ingredients. No, it's more than 14 ingredients. They're just not plain potato. No, they've got colourings in, they've got uh, preservatives, they've got everything. But they do keep putting salt on. Do you think they should actually stop putting salt on their their chips? Because I'll run through the salt content in a moment. And we go through Burger King, Beef Eater Grill, Bella Italia... And uh, another one here, I can't even read what it says, I'll have to come around to it in a moment. But it's levels, bad levels in kids' restaurant meals. The salt shaker. And where's the worst place? Tell you in a moment. Steve Allen on LBC. Very easy isn't it, to go out to a restaurant. You take the kids out and you say, do you have a kid's menu? And they go, yeah, and then they bring over some pencils and colouring books and all the rest of it. Uh, what they don't tell you is the dangerous levels in the kids' restaurant meals of salt. And so uh, what they've done... Uh, This is a survey by the Consensus Action on Salt and Health. They found that 28% of children's meals had two grams or more of salt. You know, more than two grams, it's really dangerous. And so who are the culprits? Burger King. Burger King here. Uh, In their burger and chips, this is the kids' veggie bean burger with fries, 4.6 grams of salt. That's more than twice what is supposed to be in there? The Lock Fine Seafood and Grill Bangers and Mash with Gravy contained four grams. The other one here was the uh, the Hungry Horse Pick and Mix Large Ham with Mash and Beans, 4.2 grams. Beef Eater Grill, 3.9 grams. That's 32% over the kids' daily intake. I mean, the worst one is Burger King, 55% over the kids' daily intake. And then uh, down the bottom... Although still over, Bella Italia. Bella Italia, 3.7 grams of salt. That's 24% over the kids' daily intake. That's their pizza dog and cheesy garlic bread. It's just covered in salt. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. What do they do about it? Nothing. That's why I said, why are McDonald's insisting on slathering salt over everything? You see them do it. They, they take the fries out, they put them in there, and then somebody gets a huge thing like a salt, like a sugar shaker, and you go... <laughs> Covered in it. Covered in it. I think people should start boycotting them and saying, listen, stop the salt. Stop the salt. The family of the boat race Bacchus banned the confidant from his grave. This was a story that tempted me in the mail today. And it's two women. Morning, charismatic rowing coach Daniel Topolsky have wasted no time in declaring war. Two weeks ago, it was disclosed that Topolsky who guided Oxford to an unprecedented 10 conservative victories in the boat race, had enjoyed an intense 13-year friendship with a socialite called Basha Briggs. She's voiced her dismay that his family has refused to tell her where he's buried. BBC commentator Topolsky was married to former Howard's Way actress Susan Gilmore, 60, and his funeral was held in London at St Mary last Friday. Basha, I think that's how you pronounce it, B-A-S-I-A, a A 55-year-old friend of Prince Michael of Kent, was seen among the mourners discreetly keeping her distance from Susie, who Topolsky married in 1998. His body was then laid to rest at Highgate Cemetery, with only close family members present. I went to Highgate the next day by myself, but couldn't find the grave, says Basher, who's married to Richard Briggs, who owns London's Hyde Park stables, where a member of the royal family had gone riding. So I rang Dan's home to ask where it was. They told me to... off... And hung up. I'm so upset. All I want to do is lay some flowers in memory of Dan, who meant so much to me. I'm greatly saddened that the family are being so cruel. 
Topolsky, who died three weeks ago, aged 69, had two daughters and a son with his wife. In his prime, the dashing oarsman was one of London's most renowned ladies' men. Uh, one obituary called him a bohemian and romantic figure whose cascades of black curls framed the face of an impish Greek god, Eros, with a hint of Bacchus. His most celebrated rowing triumph was in 87, 1987, when Oxford overcame the walkout of five American crew members just six weeks before the event to beat Cambridge. And the rebellion became known as the Oxford Mutiny, and Topolsky's book about it was turned into a film uh, starring Dominic West called True Blue. I've always said it's one of my favourite films. The music is sensational. The music is sensational. It makes you, makes you weep at the end. Makes you weep. But uh, the Americans thought they were being really clever. Well, we're not going to. If so-and-so's not in the team, we're not, we're not going to be. Well, go away then. And that's what he did. And so, in a, in a matter of weeks, they turned the team around. And um, even Shirley Teese says, uh, Susan's father is James Gilbert, head of comedy. This is uh, Susan Gilmore, head of comedy at the BBC for joining Thames. Joined Thames at 82 as head of comedy, and I worked with him for, for some time. James's other daughter, Julia, started out as an actress, because, uh, you know, a lot of actresses around, and is now script editor for Holby City. And his son, Colin, was producer of Rabsy Nesbitt and many other TV programmes. Truly a showbiz family. She says, I was given your book for my birthday last week. Thank you. I'm <laughs> delighted. I'm delighted. Actually, the funny thing is, it's, it's really selling well. It's really embarrassingly, selling embarrassingly well, actually. Uh, because you, I really wanted it to be sold in Brentwood. I thought Brentwood would be the place where So You Want to Be a Celebrity would do, would do the best. Because there's so many down there who, said, who so desperately want to be famous, but who so seriously are not going to make it at all. But, uh, but the book might, might be able to help them. Just a little tiny bit. I don't think it'll help Gemma Collins. I, mean, I don't think anything can help Gemma Collins. Seriously, even emergency liposuction I don't think could help her at all. There's nothing that you could do for her that would make her feel happy. She loathes herself when she looks in the mirror. We know that because she's, uh, she's discussed it before. I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, we've had weeping and we You'd think she was about seven years old, wouldn't you? Dreadful. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, I watch QI on a regular basis, Steve, so I know all about it. And uh, uh, fried bread, I love it. Calories, not good. Well, I mean, absolutely. It's absolutely fatal. Absolutely fatal. It really is. And then somebody says, we're putting salt and vinegar on chips. Salt on first and the vinegar washes most of it off. I don't, you see, I don't, yeah. I just don't think we should have things like that. And then some, there's an advert. It's not an advert, it's a piece on BBC Two. BBC Two, they might as well close down as a television station because they've offered nothing. And overnight, they keep repeating the same loop. The loop goes round. You've got a couple of people in a kitchen and the woman's going, what shall I have for breakfast? Beef burgers. So she has beef burgers. So they get them out of the freezer and she puts them on her George Foreman grill. And she says, the good news is, she says, I can eat as, as many of these as I like because the fat drips off because the George Foreman grill was the first grill to realise that if you made it at an angle, the fat dripped off, as opposed to everything sitting in its own fat. But, of course, not all the fat does drip off, and it's also disgustingly messy to clean and things like that. And so she's going, oh, I'll have, oh, I'll have another one. And so you watch her cooking these beef burgers for breakfast, and she likes to do it because she thinks that the George Foreman grill is actually saving, you know, her all this sort of weight, which, of course, it isn't. It isn't really at all. It's a little bit false economy, but yeah, it doesn't matter. Does it matter? Does it? People seem fairly happy with doing things. Read the QI questions. Dale thought that the thing inside the Jaffa cake was orange. Now you know it's apricot. 
And he thought the blue whale was the largest <laughs> largest living thing, as opposed to a mushroom in Oregon. I know, it doesn't seem positive. 2,200... You imagine how big the whale would be if it was 2,200 acres uh, across. That would be so funny. That would be so funny. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be arguing with a whale like that, are you? You're really not going to be. Uh, Ian says that McDonald. How much salt do you add to your fries? We add a small amount of salt to our fries after we've cooked them in the kitchen. Can I order fries without added salt? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, because they're all, they, they automatically put salt on them. Whereas I thought McDonald's would be sort of wanting to lead, you know, and sort of to make sure that people were actually eating healthily. So they tried to do salads, didn't they, a short while ago? Well, that went by the wayside. And then they go, oh, look, we put some salad and a piece of tomato in a burger. It's still a fried burger. That's what it is. At the end of the day, it is a fried burger. And people like hash browns. That's just deep fried potato shaped into sort of like a little wedgie kind of a shape, which people like as well. But it's all bad. It's all bad. Apparently, Owen says hospitals in America are obliged to treat emergency cases. However, without health insurance or independent wealth, you go bankrupt. Yeah, I mean, I don't, if it's an emergency case, but some of these people just get on a plane and come here and have a baby. You know, which I think they, 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 they should really not do it. Uh, sandwich shop in Marylebone in Thayer Street. Thank you. See, a, sam- a sandwich for breakfast is not the same. It's got to be a fry-up, is not it? It's got to be a great fry-up. That's what we really want. <laughs> uh, 84850 uh, Alan says I hardly ever use the NHS hardly ever use it because I work anything between 36 and 72 hours a week but uh, unfortunately the, the misuse is the, is the overseas it's the, the hospital planes as they're nicknamed at Heathrow they, they come in with somebody it's like people claiming asylum they come in they go have you got any paperwork no why because they've ripped it up on the plane and flushed it down the toilet I still remember that documentary on uh, on the uh, the Heathrow Airport, which I, I, I quite miss things like that. I thought they were quite good. I like the Paddington Green documentary. That was a great one as well. But the Heathrow one was looking at a guy who worked for one of the Arab airlines as a greeter. Hello, hello, hello. Can I get you anything? No. And he had a whole family who got off the plane. There was mum and four four kids. He went, hello, hello. Like, this this way, please. And he led them through. And he came back and he went, I've just claimed asylum. <laughs> you can see the look on the poor bloke's face. Because what they'd done is they'd taken their passports, ripped them up. And most people, you know, that's why we can't send them back, because they refuse to say where they've come from. I think we should just take potluck. Uh, you look Egyptian. OK, there you go. You're going to Egypt. Whether you know anybody there, that's your problem. Couldn't care less. But uh, the people, I'm not telling you. Not telling you anything. Well, we're not giving you anything either. I think we're far too lenient. Far too lenient. Oh, we've got budget this week, haven't we? He's not going to be giving away too much. It'll be booze again. Well, that's all you care about. Have you got more money in your pocket? You know, is a mortgage rate going to come down? You know, cigarettes. Have you seen the price? I couldn't believe how much cigarettes were nowadays. I'm horrified. Horrified. So glad I don't smoke. I don't know how anybody affords to smoke. Uh, it'll be booze, and that's just to appease the MPs. So they've got sort of cheap booze in the uh, in the House of Commons. Um, actually, uh, 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 strange enough, Dale did get one question right, the Antarctica one, which was quite good, actually. The rest of him hopelessly out. He thought the unlucky day was Thursday the 17th. Stop it. Stop it now. And uh, Paul is up, which is good. And uh, Ashuka is up as well. And Barry says, new to to Twitter. Listen every night. Great show, which is what I like. And then Christo is having apparently a rant about about Thameslink or something like that. I I didn't understand what it was, actually, because I I was fast asleep in bed. But everybody's saying, oh, he's, he's off on one, which is good, you know. 
It's quite nice. Uh, more junk mail. Since the sell-off, you've been getting more junk mail. I just throw it away. Or failing that, I address it. I put it all in an envelope and address it back to them. Let them pay for it. Uh, if you want to beat diabetes, get a good night's sleep. Uh, fury over the Savile slur at, uh, at Jezza and this, this unnamed producer at the BBC. The town that's got 11 bookmakers. Ricky Whittle making it in America. I asked the question, Ricky who? The trouble brewing over PG tips. Elton John and his spat with Dolce and Cabana and the British trio stopped on the way in to join ISIS. They're back in the country and they're currently being held by the police. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. Horn. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Monday. I know you hate it. I know you hate it. It's awful, isn't it? But it is the 16th of March. We're rocketing through this month. It's only about a week before we get paid again. And it seems like yesterday we got paid. Stop feeding ducks. It's bad for them. Round our way, people feed the ducks, the pigeons, the sw- they feed everything. And people come down and empty what looks like the entire contents of their waste paper basket. It's ridiculous. We've got the fattest ducks ever. They can't even bother to eat half the time. So what does it do? Attract rats. But we used to have a woman who used to feed all the pigeons. Well, I haven't seen her for ages, so I'm hoping she's either been arrested or she's, uh, she's locked up somewhere, which would make it an awful lot easier. The sick clubbers who took the photos of a dying team, the town with 11 bookmakers, and um, breathe in corsets are making a comeback. We're obsessed, aren't we, with these things? There's an advert on the television at the moment for uh, a T-shirt. It's for men. It's one of those few info commercials for men. And you put it on and apparently it holds it all in. All it is is just an elasticated T-shirt and uh, you won't be able to breathe. So you kind of put the thing on and you go, but apparently you look thinner, which is great. Quite like that idea. Elton John's having one hell of a hissy fit. This is with Dolce and Cabana because they're obviously not in favour of designer children. They're not in favour of gay marriages. They're not in favour of anything. You would think, actually, it was almost a homophobic rant. But, of course, as they are gay, it quite clearly can't be because uh, they just don't like. They just that's the way they think. And they've certainly not apologised, so Elton John's had to go back at them. You know, your fashions are outdated, it's this kind. I shall never buy Dolce & Gabbana ever again, and I shall tell all my friends. Well, it, well, his uh, two friends, his closest friends, Naomi Campbell and old Vic Beckham, they've been hanging around with Dolce & Gabbana for ages. And I can't see, really, it making any difference to them. Do you think Victoria Beckham's going to stop hanging around with people who are the people that she looks up to? I don't think so. It'll be interesting to see just how, how much sway Elton John has actually got. And, um... The cancer warning over lights in the bedroom. That's a strange one. You know, you need to get your sleep to stop, you know, the chance of getting cancer. I mean, how do they know these things? How do they know it? And um, the other one is uh, Gemma Collins. I'll find that story in a moment because she's been turning up late and they're going, we've had enough of her, really. To be honest with you, I mean, they should have dumped her ages ago. She's way too old to be on that programme. If they were doing a programme about nursing homes and the elderly, then she, she would fit right in with it. But apart from that... Ridiculous. Lynn says Blandford's Cafe in Chiltern Street, where you can get a full English. You see, I, I, it's, it's got to be... This was after my disaster the other day in Marylebone High Street, where, you know, their idea of... Well, it wasn't a full... It wasn't even called a full English. It was laughingly called scrambled egg on a plate with two pieces of not even toast. Kind of, I don't know what it was, really. And salad. I mean, salad... I mean, the, the, if, I should have taken a picture of it and gone, this is laughingly called scrambled egg for breakfast. It was about six quid. Seemed an awful lot of money. An awful lot of money. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here. 
says, I'm so glad I gave up smoking. I'm beginning to get craters in my complexion and I've saved a small fortune. I've not smoked for donkey's years now. Wouldn't even think about it. Uh, anybody wanting to enter this country should have medical insurance valid for two years, even if they're only here on a day trip. Yes, I mean, if you go to America, that's the thing that they say to you. Have you taken out medical insurance? You fall in in America, you're going to be in for serious bills. 36,000, 40,000, 50,000. So really... Really, you know, you need to take out medical insurance. And why should the same not apply here? If you're going to uh, to Great Britain, you take out medical insurance. If you fall ill, we're not going to treat you unless you've got a credit card. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Strange how these three male teens are facing charges for preparing acts of terrorism, yet the three girls now in Syria won't. No, because they got in before. I mean, had the... Um had the uh, the Turkish border been a little bit quicker off the mark, they actually could have stopped them going in there. Young girls like that. Sorry, what sort of passports you got? British passports. What are you doing here? No, turn them around, send them straight back home again. But luckily, Turkey's now woken up to this thing, so that's why these boys have been turned around and they've been back in this country and been arrested. They must be sitting on the plane on the way back, thinking, what do we do now? What do we do now? Uh, where's, where's Putin, says Ian? I don't know, he seems to have gone a bit walkabout, doesn't he? He seems to have... Uh, Dis- dis- disappeared, which is uh, which is rather a rather a shame. I like uh, I like the idea that uh, that we that we could find him. I'm not not particularly bothered actually. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. Uh, another one here to try and uh, try and find as many. Uh, Sharon says best Mother's Day Prezi. Your book. Thank you very much indeed. So you want to be a celebrity. Uh, Another one here, which is from, 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 from somebody else saying, uh, I've given up smoking now for 10 years and feel so much better, wished I'd never started. Easy to say that, isn't it? Easier to say that. Uh, Steve, I knew the three girls getting all the publicity are not pioneers of the exodus to Syria because we've got three boys as well, but they've been sent back again. So that's uh, that's not going to happen. But we, uh, we, we, we definitely don't want them back here. I mean, to be honest, I wasn't even sure whether I wanted the boys back here. I should have let them go over there and stay there. That would make it a lot easier, wouldn't it, for a lot of people? Why do you know we don't, we don't want these people? They harbour nasty thoughts because they're obviously deeply, uh, deeply troubled, deeply troubled. The BBC producer at the centre of the uh, of the Clarkson fracas, and there is no fracas. This is made up by the BBC, hoping to be seen to be doing something, but unfortunately, it's all backfired on them. You know, they've completely cocked up this Clarkson thing. Totally, from start to finish. I mean, they're like a bunch of headless chickens faffing around the corridors. Cluck, 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 cluck. They don't know what to do. They've got no idea. And now the, the producer's gone into hiding because he's received death threats from Jeremy Clarkson fans. Well, I mean, that I don't believe. They won't be Jeremy Clarkson fans. They'll be uh, internet trolls. And you can have those arrested by the police. That's a fairly simple thing to do. That's not, uh, not complicated. So he's gone into hiding. Well, how, how much hiding can he go into? Unless he's disguised himself as something we're not aware of, and uh, it's uh, it's it's just it's a it's a story about nothing at all. It's a story about somebody losing their their, their temper, which happens all the time, and uh, and he's not making a complaint. The producer's not making a complaint. He's not making a complaint at all, as far as I can see, because he wouldn't want to. Because then everybody else would be going freelance producer. Don't touch him. He could be trouble. So that's why. But he's he's in he's in hiding, fearing for his life. Oh, don't don't fear for your life, for goodness sake. That would just be stupid, wouldn't it? That would be very, very silly, fearing for your life about something and nothing. But I just wish they'd get on with it and do it. I'm so bored with it now. Um, one here, there's a lovely picture of a tiger in the paper today. And um, a boy of four has been dubbed a real-life Mowgli. 
from the Jungle Book after he was snapped forming a close bond with a Bengali tiger. Well, he wasn't really. It's a bit of a non-story, this. It's a tiger uh, in a zoo in Lincolnshire, the Parrot Zoo, in a place called Friskney. And uh, the big cat took her cubs, Basira, Lajuka and Sajiba, for the first day. Why can't they just give them normal names? This is Bob, this is Fred and this is Elsie. Well, let's call them normal names. And uh, so the, the, the tiger comes up to the glass. It's one-inch thick bulletproof glass and uh, tries to nuzzle the boy. No, they all do that. This is nothing new. It just means somebody caught the picture of it. I've done that. You know, they, they sort of come up to you and they sort of rub it. Of course, if the glass wasn't there, it would have eaten him. So that's, uh, that's how, how dangerous it is. That's how dangerous it is. Why did I save this thing? Um, children's TV habits last for 30 years. You know, if you're a parent and you watch three hours of TV a day, that could be influencing your children's viewing habits. My television's on loads, actually. Loads. It's, I mean, it's in, it's in the background. It's in the background. I don't actually watch all the time, but I, I, do, um, I, do, I do like the television. I like the moving pictures. Strange, isn't it? Uh, in um, China, visitors have marvelled at a full-size replica of the Great Sphinx of Giza, built as part of the World Cultural Heritage Expo Park in Chuzhou, in uh, Anhui province. The theme park opens fully in October. An Eiffel Tower copy features at another Chinese park. Do you know, I wish I'd seen the Sphinxes when they were first first put up. That must have been something, mustn't it? That must have been something. And, uh, and then Ollie Mann was earlier on doing the... Uh, what sums up our nation? What, what are the things that are patriotic by design? The Fred Perry polo shirt is apparently patriotic by design. The Burberry trench coat, the Savile Row suit, the Angel of the North Wellington boots, the miniskirt, the London Eye, um, double helix DNA structures, whatever in God's name that is. Concord, the red phone box, uh, the red, sorry, the red pillar box, uh, Rolls Royce. Sadly, not Bentley's. Uh, the Rootmaster, the Union flag, and the Red Phone Box K-Series. Because you can buy them. You, if you go, there's um, a company that sell phone boxes, reconditioned phone boxes. You can have them put, you know, in your garden. It's quite a nice thing to have, isn't it, really? You want your own phone, but you want to sit out there. You don't want to sit out there and sort of, you know, make phone calls, because it's just, it's just a bit silly. And, uh, and a man's gone on holiday in the Metro, and where has he gone to? He's gone to Antarctica, the Arctic Circle. I've been inside the Arctic Circle. It's blooming cold. But he said here, I, I've just seen a polar bear paw print the size of a man's head. Because polar bears are, uh, are big. Big. When they, when they stand up, they, they, they can stand anywhere between, I think, about 9 and 13 feet tall. So they're, they're, they're quite something to be reckoned with. Uh, Joker Wayne Rooney. He's so funny, isn't he? I love him. I, he really makes me laugh. Him and that shredded wheat on his head. And um, he was... Uh, the uh, the sun revealed that he was sort of decked out in a, in a boxing bout, but it's turn, turned out that it was just a little bit of a little bit of a sham. A little bit of a sham. It was a, he was only pretending. It's so funny, isn't it? Uh, the cushy lifer, how Harry Roberts is lauding it. Here he is, his £25,000 lodgings bill, paid by you, incidentally. And, uh, and Louisa Ziesman is apparently still wandering the earth. I've got no idea why. The uh, 75-year-old former apprentice finalist took a dip in the Pacific near Los Angeles, luckily with the photographer. That was good, wasn't it? And then she, uh, she snapped photos of her with a, with a pal showing off her, her wedding ring because she's going to get married. Lovely, isn't it? Really thrilled. Really th- I didn't even know if she was still around, to be honest with you. I thought she'd sort of disappeared. Uh, the Pippa story makes all the papers today. This is Pippa Middleton. Uh, she hasn't actually made it onto the screen. She's been ditched already. 
And the reason being, she's rubbish. You know, could have told you that to start with. But they, they have to do it, don't they? They have to do it because it gave them a station that we'd never heard of. Loads of publicity. And then they go, actually, we have tried her out on things. And they suddenly realise that you need a professional to do a professional's job. It's quarter past five. Nineteen minutes past five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast with Nick Ferrari this morning. Three British teenagers being held by police after being sent back to the UK from Turkey on suspicion of terrorism offences. Could this now be the turning point for the crackdown on gap year jihadis? The NHS is owed more than £60 million from health tourists using British hospitals over the past just five years. Should the government be doing more to chase up these foreign patients who have not paid? Daisy McAndrew, political journalist and broadcaster. We're doing the paper review with Nick Ferrari after news at seven today. That's after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. It's very interesting, just going back to Kelvin McKenzie's column. And uh, he's talking about the, uh, the victim of all of this is the producer. They say he's described as a producer. He's no uh, panjandrum. I don't even know what that is, actually. He is, has him sitting over... He has sitting over him an executive producer, a series producer, a series editor. The point is, he says, he's pretty far down the totem pole. So I feel very sorry for Mr Tymon. He's the one scared of losing his job. He's the one being blamed for almost certainly removing Top Gear from all the BBC schedules forever and a day. The multi-talented Clarkson will have a queue of rival network bosses seeking his hand. Well, that's it. But he says here, had this uh, happened, this sort of this rant in your office or factory, the boss, and make no mistake, in Top Gear, Clarkson is the boss. I suspect HR would have been all over it and he would have been fired for gross misconduct after the briefest of investigations. Kelvin McKenzie's track record as bullying is not exactly brilliant, let me tell you. The man whose temper is about as quick as that has been known to fire people very fast. So if anybody knows about getting angry about something, that would be poor old Kelvin McKenzie. So it makes me smile somewhat when everybody in the business knows what his, what his record is, talking about Jeremy Clarkson. But I said before, Jeremy Clarkson is the, uh, is the boss of that show. And to actually take the show off the air is just possibly the stupidest thing ever. Uh, Neil says, hope your trip to Brighton went well in the clean car. It did, actually. It was, very, it was cold down there, though. Absolutely freeting. Freezing. He says, I'm off to sunny Watford in a minute. <laughs> sunny, the millionaire's playground of Watford. <laughs> I love it. Uh, 84850. Ian says, uh, your other listener's right. Uh, Gino's is opposite Maribone Station, does a, a superb full English. I should have to check it out. I always like to check these things out. I'm never, never too convinced straight away. I, I don't like to sort of rely just on other people. I like to find out for myself. Uh, everybody else saying, yeah, listen, if you arrive in the country and you've got no medical insurance, then that's it. Then we're not going to treat you in hospital. It's as simple as that. Um, <laughs> Jeremy and producer Steve squabbling about hot or cold meals. People in Africa would be glad of anything, hot or cold. I know, I know. But that's the way it goes, isn't it? You know, you have a, you have a junior producer and he is a junior, junior producer. It would be his job... One of a number of little jobs, because what you do is you work your way up the ladder, don't you? That's how it works. You start off as a, you know, a junior producer in television, which is roughly equivalent to a dog's body. And make no mistake about it, you're expected to do everything. You know, somebody says you get the research, you go and get that, you go and get the guests, you bring them here. You make sure they've got their tea and their coffee and their fed and they've got sandwiches and everything else. And if the presenter of the programme, here in afternoon as God, in case of Jeremy Clarkson, says he wants a steak and chips, then he wants a steak and chips. He doesn't want a platter of cold meat. You can imagine him losing his temper. He's had a few few drinks, probably. I don't know. Goes back there, and he goes looking forward to steak and chips. What do you mean there isn't any? Got you some cold meat. Don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, Martin, he says, I've just finished a shift 
with the London Ambulance Service. It's a great feeling driving home, passing all those long faces on the way to work. He says, uh, at least you make some of us smile. Well, there you go, I should imagine, actually. Do you think Putin's recovering from his latest cosmetic treatment? I don't know, he's just disappeared, hasn't he? He's just disappeared. Nobody seems to know where he is. Nobody knows what he's, what he's doing. Nobody knows anything about him at all. It's just, he's just slightly odd, isn't he? I wouldn't want to go there. One of the guys from here is going over to Russia. He's going to have three, three days there or something like that. It's actually quite exciting, because I've, I've never been... I nearly got a free holiday some years ago. It didn't quite work out. The reason it didn't quite work out is because um, the cruise company went bust. <laughs> didn't really help, did it? So I never managed to get there. Justin Bieber's finally got his comeuppance, being torn to pieces by some of America's biggest showbiz stars. I think this might have been... Um, is this a roasting that they do in America? They do these roastings. And uh, everybody goes there and they sort of say, oh, this about him and that about him. And you just have to take it. Uh, The Voice has been sent reeling. If any of you are still watching this rubbish, uh, apparently William has ditched some of the leading stars. They're not stars at all. They're very, very average singers. Very, very average. Team Tom. How old is he, for God's sake? Howard Rose from Stockport. Lara Lee. 66 to 1. These sound like no-hopers. Sasha Simone. Oh, in God's name. Do they go through sort of books and go, I'm going to call myself Sasha Simone. I'm Lara Lee. Are you really, dear? And then over at Team Ricky, Steve McCrory, Autumn Sharif, Autumn Sharif, and Emmanuel Namwadi, who calls his guitar Rose. Lovely. Team Rita, Joe Wolford, Clark Camodi and Caris Thomas. They've all got the names, haven't they? Over at Team William, Sheila McHugh, Vikesh Champaner and Lucy O'Byrne. You'll never hear of any of these people ever again. That's why I thought I'd give them a mention this morning, because it's the only time you're ever going to hear about them. And then there's an interview with Lee Francis, who apparently has given his first interview as himself and feels like he's come out of the closet. No, it's exactly the same person. There's no difference between either of them. He's exactly the same person. Okay, he's exactly the same person. So he is Keith Lemon. He is Lee France. It's exactly there's no difference between the two of them at all. They're both filthy mouthed. They're both, you know, just really desperate. And they both don't rate on television. That's about as good as it gets, doesn't it, really? Uh, Also, Terry Wogan makes a cameo appearance tonight in in a Sky show. I have to be honest, I mean, they, they tried desperately to make Terry work as a chat show on Channel 5. And I remember it was, a, it was a disaster. At one point, he had Colin and Justin on. I think the best thing you can describe about them is, thank God they're not on television anymore. And Colin and Justin were on, and they were being particularly arch. And you could see Terry... I think he did it with Gabby Roslin, if memory serves me right. But I, I was sort of watching it thinking, oh dear, this programme is dying. This programme is dying. You need to do something about it. I don't know what you can do to it. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, something that makes me nostalgic, the route master travelling through London streets. Oh, still there. Still there travelling through London streets, isn't it? People like things like that. We like sort of old-fashioned things. Ollie says, has Putin gone quiet because he's preparing for the publicity storm for your latest In Conversation? Be a good idea, wouldn't it? That would be a good one. I was hoping Jeremy Clarkson was going to phone me yesterday on the programme. I thought, go on, Jeremy, phone me. But neither of them are allowed to say anything. Uh, also, uh, Jezza's mate has waded in to attack the BBC. Um, you know, loads of people have attacked the BBC because somebody's cocked up big time on this one. And I wonder who's going to take responsibility for it. 
Because, you know, who's actually complained about this? Who's actually complained about it? Answer, nobody. Nobody's complained about it. Jeremy phones Cohen to tell him what, what's actually happened. So he's obviously got the hotline to the boss. Mind you, I've got my boss's phone number as well. And, um, and But nobody complained. No member of the public complained because it was a private matter. It was nothing to do with the programme at all. They were in a hotel. They weren't filming. It wasn't on set. So who actually complained? Nobody. So what are we doing? Nothing. What are we doing about it? Nothing. Have they made a decision? No. What do they want to do? They don't know. They're headless chickens. They've got no idea at all how to handle this one. They've cocked up so many times before. And um, I just know... I, mean, I was expecting this morning... I did have a sort of a semi-dream last night that the front page of the papers, he's quit or fired and then a picture of him because they don't know what to do. And I confidently predict that if they stupidly at the BBC, and they are a little bit archaic, remember, you are dealing with a bunch of dinosaurs who don't really know what they're doing, they've got no idea. You turn on some programme and you think, how have they allowed to get this actually on air? It's nothing short of filth, I'm afraid. You know, and Jeremy Clarkson has a spat with a junior, junior producer, you know, and nobody's complaining about it. Even the junior producer's not complaining about it. And then they go, oh, right, he's actually fired. I predict the other two will walk at the same time. And they go, I tell you what, we don't want to do the programme either. And the BBC are going to be sitting there going, what have we done? We've just lost £300 million, because that's how much the, uh, the deal is worth, selling it around the world. You know, it's, it's an absolute disaster. And, uh, it come, and then we've got to find out. We actually have to find out who the producer is that likened Jeremy Clarkson to Jimmy Savile. I predict that they'll have a name by the end of today. Somebody at the BBC will phone up the Sun News desk and say, I can tell you who it is exactly. It was this person here. Because we don't know, as far as I know at the moment, we don't know if it's male or female. But I would, uh, I'd love to find out. So they must be quaking in their boots. You say something as stupid as that. You know, because for most people, they go, oh, what, you think he's a paedophile, do you? Is that why you said that? No, it's not like that at all. What it is, is they're, they're just not very articulate as a producer to try and explain about the fact that it's like Savile, because they, unfortunately, it's not like Savile at all, because they couldn't hush this one up. This one, they sort of jumped out straight away. First to Savile, they just brushed it under the carpet, together with a load of other people. And that's what's so so wrong about it. They They should just literally put him back on air and stop messing around because it's really, really annoying. Other stories which are in the papers. Oh, this is uh, the Gemma Collins story. Poor old Gemma, honestly, not blessed with looks, talent or a voice. So there's not really much she can do. She's been told off by the producers. Very naughty girl. Naughty girl. Last week, Bobby Norris walked off set. I find that difficult to, to imagine. After waiting for her for over an hour, a source said Gemma's lateness is out of control. She's sometimes up to two hours late. What for? Ain't got anything else to do, has she? The other day she left Bobby waiting so long he left the location. He thinks she's taking the mickey. Well, she's your only friend, though, Bobby, isn't it, really? She's your only friend, love. You better sort of hang on to her. But uh, somebody should buy her an alarm clock because she's either rude or she's just ignorant. Either way, she doesn't contribute to the programme at all. So, you know, my advice would be just drop her. I don't know why this programme's shilly-shallying around. They're a bit like the BBC, aren't they, over at this, uh, this TOWIE programme? These are the people who put Dan Osborne, apparently, back in the series. The man who threatened to knife his girlfriend. Class act, isn't it, really? Slightly disturbing. Slightly deserving. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, thank you for the person who said, I'm glad you're still talking about Jeremy Clarkson. Because, uh, you know, it's, it's my money. I'm a licence payer. And they're wasting my money. I know, absolutely. What can you do about it? Latest headlines. It's uh, 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC.
morning, every Monday, 16th of March. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Uh, so yesterday, Mother's Day, lots of uh, people didn't get their flowers. Lots of people didn't buy flowers. Lots of people didn't even send text messages to their mothers. Although, to be brutally honest with you, I think every day is Mother's Day. I don't think you should just have one day. I think every day is Mother's Day. But uh, lots of people yesterday criticising M&S. After the flowers failed to arrive in time, they complained that the store had used uh, the beleaguered delivery firm Yodel, which has previously come under fire for struggling to deliver parcels during busy times. So M&S emailed some customers on Saturday, informed them that something had gone wrong with their delivery and the flowers they'd ordered wouldn't arrive on time. They've since had their money refunded. Uh, only a small number of delays. Many unhappy customers took to Twitter, because that's what people do nowadays, isn't it? We're not happy with that. We're going we're gonna to turn to Twitter. And one woman posted, thanks, M&S, for ruining Mother's Day. Oh, grow up, you silly old baggage. Didn't ruin Mother's Day. Just getting flowers or not getting flowers doesn't ruin Mother's Day. The drama queen, aren't you? Another one, and then another one said, where are the flowers my son ordered? Well, they're still sitting there, aren't they? Get over yourself. Honestly, if you're so bone idle, you have to send flowers. Why, not, why can't you deliver them? I go deliver them. Don't come up with the excuse, oh, I live too far away. Get in a car. Rent a taxi. You know, if you really want to do it, don't start blaming other people for your own ineptitude. Somebody else says, according to my GPS tracker, they were left at a lay-by. Best place for them. And then uh, somebody said, why are they still using Yodel? And, uh, and then one, one Twitter user, I mean, some of them are completely off the scale here, said, uh, 2.30, still no Yodel. M&S Flowers Delivery, it rather ruins the surprise. Having to let your mum know flowers were ordered but no sign. Well, don't tell her they've been ordered then. Take her out a box of chocolates. God, dear, what is the matter with these people? I mean, they were for orders delivered on time on Saturday. Small number of people didn't get them. I think they had over 400,000 Mother's Day flower deliveries. So, you know, it's when people go, oh, you completely ruined Mother's Day. My God, you must have a shallow existence. How can you ruin Mother's Day by not sending flowers? You know, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Ridiculous. Uh, I've worked as an extra on a number of high-profile films, and I can assure you all the stars are treated like gods. Of course they are. Of course they are, Jeff. Because they're the stars. They're the ones putting bums on seats. They're the ones selling a programme. You don't think that Top Gear would sell around the world if it wasn't for Clarkson. Take my word for it. It is because of him. You know, they snap their fingers and a junior runner... Uh, you know, jumps to their command. It creates a different level of status and uh, it gives the so-called stars out-of-life reality. Well, Elizabeth Taylor never turned up early for anything. Naomi Campbell, another one of these people for whom time is a is a passing thing to think about. You know, somebody goes, so w- w- will, will she be here for the interview, which was due an hour ago? Oh, yeah, she'll be here shortly. Well, where is she? I think she's gone shopping. Gone shopping? I mean, Naomi Campbell was notoriously rude and offensive. I'd have just gone to her. We're not doing the interview now, love. Goodbye. And whistle yourself. I think she was doing one, and they they booked it into Claridge's. And they sat there, and they set up for the photo thing, and the journalists sat there. Three hours went by, they're still sitting there twiddling their thumbs. And then Madam dares to sort of wander in. She lives in London, bearing in mind, for a lot of the time. And, uh, and then probably disappears into her suite, and then goes out shopping. And the journalists, I mean, I'd have given up on her immediately. The rudeness is like Elizabeth Taylor. I couldn't care less who you are. The Queen... Manages to turn up on time for everything. You know, if the Queen is there at 11.59, that's the time she's scheduled to arrive, she'll be there at 11.59. You know, who did Elizabeth Taylor think she was? Some third-rate bloated actress who married eight times. And that was it. And then thought it was it was sort of, you know, normal to turn up late. Even that poor old has-been glamour model, Jordan, or Mrs Haler, as she's now known, kind of suits her better, I think, do you not... And uh, she turned up late for her seventh wedding. 
Apparently she was like sort of an hour later because she was having her makeup done. Didn't look any different to any other time. No different. People who turn up late just drive me mad. It's so rude. Rude and offensive. It's like, you know, if, if we say, oh, the Steve Allen show is on air, on LBC, from four o'clock. Twenty past four, you're still sitting there listening to bingy bong, bingy bong. There they go. He'll, he'll be with you shortly. Where is he? Well, he overslept. Well, why did he oversleep? I don't know. Just overslept. Never overslept in my life. I just think it's rudeness. Listen, if Her Majesty the Queen and everybody else can turn up on time, it's good enough for dreary Naomi Campbell, even more dreary, but only with a more boring voice, Jordan, and uh, and for poor old Elizabeth Taylor. Two hours some people waited. For for what reason? What, was she being pumped with formaldehyde or something? So that's how it works, you know, and the more you treat these people like gods in the film industry, admittedly, some people want to be treated like that. Some people want to be treated. You know, they like that that kind of thing they like and they get used to it i remember saying to a very big celebrity once why are you like this and they said because i can be because people put up with it i wouldn't if i'd been interviewing naomi Campbell and she turned up even 10 minutes late i'd have gone i'm ever so sorry i've got things to do goodbye i'd walk out i'd just wait for her to say something you know just because i just think it's absolutely appalling absolutely appalling you know, lots of people go out there, and sometimes the people who work on these programmes, and presenters are somewhat different from actors and actresses. You know, presenters, you know, just turn up. If somebody says, you know, would you like to do this show, you turn up. You wouldn't dream of turning up late for it. Why would you bother turning up? It's just rudeness. You know, I, I can name a number of presenters who would sit there, you know, and say to the, uh, the AP, um, want to go and get me a pret sandwich or something? You think, well, why don't you go and get it? What are you going to get? What's the matter with you going to get it? You're too bone-idle or something. Well, because I'm, I'm busy doing... Go and get it yourself. Oh, dear. I'd have been down to HR immediately. Go and get a sandwich with a presenter. No, you go and get it. Uh, 84850. And, uh, and then Sheila says, I can't understand why the police were not called immediately. What's got to do with them? The producer was allegedly assaulted a criminal offence. Mind your own business. Mind you, it's nothing to do with him. He was somebody working on a programme, being paid by the programme. They say, and then she says here that he should have been arrested, kept in custody and cautioned. You were condoning bullying. You don't know what went on. You've got no idea. The producer's making no such uh, allegation or complaint at all, Sheila. It's people like you that are the, the curtain twitchers. Other people who, oh, I think we should send him to prison. He should be hanged for this. It's so awful. Mind your own business. Nothing to do with you. You weren't there. Were you in the hotel? No, of course you weren't. You know nothing. The producer's making no complaint whatsoever. I say producer. The junior, junior producer is making no complaint. He just wants to get on with his job. It's what everybody else wants to do. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me, says Ian, if Top Gear ends up on Sky or ITV before too long with a new name. They just call it Clarkson's Motors. That'd sell it. There you go. I've, I've given you the title already, Sky. Clarkson's Motors. And then bring in, you know, Hammond and May, because they'll be more than happy to move ship, I should imagine. Why would you want to work for an organisation that puts everybody now out of work because of a slight altercation that hardly anybody was aware of? In fact, it was a week before Clarkson actually telephoned Cohen. So nobody knew about it before. But I love the way people go, oh, he did this and he did that. Because you've read the papers, haven't you? And you believed it. I'll only believe it when I see the assistant junior, junior producer saying on television, oh, I was, because one of the papers said, oh, he was quickly taken to A&E because of this and that. What, I, I, want, I want proof of this. I'm not buying into anything at the moment. Steve, I'm never late for anything. It's the height of rudeness. Always arrive 10 minutes early. I would, if, I would always arrive early for something. The only time I arrived late for something was years and years ago. I was giving a, a talk to a group of people in Kensington High Street, and I'd forgotten to put the clock, I think it was forward, whatever it was, I was an hour late. I got in there, 
And they went, where have you been? I went, um, I'm not due for another ten minutes. They went, no, the clocks have changed. I went, oh, my God, I felt really awful about the whole thing. <laughs> really terrible, actually. <laughs> uh, 84850. Kevin says the reason Jordan might be late for a function is due to traffic making the blue, blue circle cement lorry late. <laughs> I love the way she was late for her seventh sort of blessing. Although, to be honest, it was done in a barn where they had to tell you the price of it just in case you wanted to go down there and get some freebie out of them. And they said it was £4,000 a day. I thought, you know, a real cheap wedding, wasn't it, this time round? Really cheap, but hilarious. I quite, I quite like that, actually. I think that's very funny. Uh, 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here. Oh, Easter's cancelled. Easter's, Easter's cancelled. So uh, there's no point in doing anything for Easter. They've said the rail firm... And this is, I don't know which one it is. I think it's, it just says, oh, worst affected West Coast mainline. Virgin Trains have told passengers not to bother trying to travel. They've warned of three-hour delays. And I'll tell you which ones they are. West Coast mainline, a four-day shutdown between London, Euston and Milton Keynes. Work on the lines from Crewe to Warrington and from Carlisle to Glasgow. Great Western, closed between Hayes in London and Didcot in Oxfordshire. Greater Anglia. No trains from London, Liverpool Street to Ipswich and Norwich. And South Eastern, no services to or from Cannon Street, London Bridge, Charing Cross or Waterloo East. No services between Swanley and Faversham, Sittingbourne or Sheerness-on-Sea. So there you go. Easter's cancelled. Why don't you just stay in? Why don't you just stay in? That'd be nice, actually, wouldn't it? Why can't we just sort of stay in over Easter? Why do we have to, why do we have to go away? Why do people want to go away for Easter? Why not stay here? I love this country. I can't think of anything nicer. Nicer. Whatever happened to BHS when Kate Moss couldn't rescue it, says Les. Well, I, it's been sold, hasn't it? Pound, I believe. A pound. I don't think you can rescue BHS. The buildings are probably worth a lot more. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of thinking that's it. But, I mean, I've been in there. They haven't got anything of any interest to anybody. I don't know how you can turn it around. I, I mean, I really, unless you just rename it. Don't, don't call it BHS. Call it, call it something else. Call it something else. But then, have, have you noticed that Morrisons have dropped Anton Deck? Or did Anton Deck drop Morrison's? We don't know. They're, they're, a bit, they're a bit hedgy on that one. Nobody's actually too sure what's going on. So did Morrison's drop them or did they drop Morrison's? Because I thought the ads were a bit naff, I'm afraid. And as, as Morrison's profits have fallen, 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 you begin to wonder, is that the Anton Deck influence? I don't know. I don't know. It's difficult, isn't it? It's a little bit difficult on that one. It's uh, coming... Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, every Monday, the 16th of March. Apparently you don't mind the rain. It's the sun on a workday you hate. Because people go, oh, they look, they look out the window and go, oh, I wish I was out there. When it's raining, you never say, oh, I wish I was sitting out there. And so it's sort of a national obsession in this country. You must be the only people who have a national obsession with the weather. You know, they go, oh, the weather. Mind you, we are the only country I've ever thought of that actually has sort of, you know, we get all the seasons in one day. You know, you can have snow, rain, sleet, sunshine, hail, just about everything in one day, which is good. I mean, I'd hate it if I was living in America where it was sunny. They go, what is it today? Sunny. Oh, what again? How boring. I quite like it when we've got lots of days. So when I got in the car this morning, it had just started raining. And I thought, well, that's nice. Because at least I got the car washed on 
on Saturday morning, so that was that was okay. So now, apparently, we are not to be influenced by a little bit of rain, which makes it a lot easier when I tell you what the uh, the weather is going to be like for today. Because I think sometimes you do get a bit panicky over the weather, and people get very upset if you don't if you don't tell them what the weather is. So I always like to sort of chuck in the weather. Just I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong, does it really? So if I say today cloudy with scattered showers, that kind of covers Monday. Feeling cool. So if I tell you that uh, the high today will be 8 degrees, 8 degrees is not exactly the best, uh, the best temperature we've ever had. So it's cloudy, limited bright or sunny intervals. The large amounts of clouds will bring scattered showers. Most of it will be light, but a few will be heavy. It will feel cool. And then uh, tonight, predominantly cloudy with a few cloud breaks and still some showers. Uh, the showers mainly light, the low of 5 degrees. And then Tuesday, dry As any remaining showers will die away, the cloud breaks are expected to develop, allowing sunny spells to occur. Feeling warmer than today, it's going to go to 12 degrees tomorrow. Almost sunbathing weather, isn't it? And for Wednesday through Friday, Wednesday dry with sunny periods. Thursday, Friday likely to be cloudy, a breezy but dry, with temperatures close to average. So that's uh, that's your your weather forecast. But as I say, just look out the window. I always say, say, you know, for, for people who go, oh, so what is the weather going to be? I said, I don't know. Just look out the window. It might change. You know, it might, I might say that and then all of a sudden it might sort of turn into brilliant sunshine for today. Uh, Paul in Manchester says, my best friend arranged to send flowers to his grandmother who brought him up by M&S. They didn't arrive. Sadly, he couldn't jump in the car to deliver himself as he lives in Thailand. And as she's 91, he wasn't happy. Read the trains looks like a repeat of New Year which is why I couldn't make your show at the Magic Circle. Yes, I mean, Thailand, I can always tell, because we've got, uh, where I live, uh, a lot of people who work for BA and the airlines, and you can always tell when they've been to Thailand. Why? Because they bring back boxes of orchids. They're so cheap out there, they bring back boxes of orchids, and so everybody's got orchids all over the place. I got sent an orchid plant years and years ago when we were in Gough Square. It was absolutely wonderful. Really, really lovely. Loved it to pieces. I love orchids. They're just, uh, they're so, if, I, if I had the room, I'd put a greenhouse in. And if I had a greenhouse, I'd be growing bougainvillea and uh, all sorts of nice things. And just sort of sit it. Just the smell of earth in a greenhouse keeps me happy. I'm very good with things like that. Uh, the new owners have had to take on the pension fund liability for BHS, says John. Around 100 million. Also, the head office building in Maribyrn Road was sold, apparently, at a substantial profit for Mr Green. Well, he's very successful. It's just that he couldn't do anything. He couldn't do anything on that. Really, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know whether or not you could just keep persevering with the with the store. Uh, BS BHS have a fantastic lighting department. Uh, Steve says Hooch it beats John Lewis in selection. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's always had a quite a good lighting department. All sorts of interesting things. I'm beginning to fall in love with Tiger. Tiger is the place I'm falling in love with because it's got all sorts of things for kids. And it's got all, a friend of mine, we went down on Saturday, she went into Tiger and bought some, um, their little hooks that you put on the wall uh, for hanging your coats on. But these are shaped like cats. And as she's a cat lady, she likes that kind of thing. So she bought those. I bought a thing that stands on the floor. It's a fluorescent tube in purple. Don't ask why. I've got no idea. Uh, Murray says, if Clarkson loses his job on Top Gear, an ideal replacement would be Dale Winton. Well, he likes cars. It has to be said, he does like cars. But uh, no, I, th- I think if, if Clarkson leaves his top gear, it will slowly go into decline. Slowly go. Malcolm says, I see Iceland are still persevering with Peter Andre. They're not, are they really? Good Lord, well, I am surprised there. I thought they'd have, they'd have dropped him ages ago. Somebody trying to predict how long Katie Price's uh, current marriage is going to last. Um, I'm, I'm putting it down to, I think, before February of next year, uh, he'll be gone. 
You, you've just got a rough idea because that, that's about the time she'll be bored with him and so she'll have another two children to play with to add to the other football team she seems to be setting up. And, uh, and then it'll all just sort of go a bit pear-shaped, I suppose. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't, don't really care that much. I only like it if it's really miserable. Uh, lots of people turned out for, uh, for PC Hocking the other day. Uh, he, was, uh, he was the Bobby in the Cornish seaside town of, I think it's Falmouth. And uh, people, people obviously loved him. He collapsed the other week at the age of 52 and died. But everybody liked him so much uh, they wanted to say goodbye to him. And so the organisers had expected 3,000 people to turn up. More than 8,000 people turned up. The actual uh, parade of people went on for a mile. A mile they were, they were following. And... Um, in a statement on behalf of the family, P.C. Hawking's brother Stephen thanked the people of Falmouth for their support. He described his brother as iconic, approachable, respectful, proud, smiley, gentle, committed and professional. And so everybody went on this, this stroll. More than, as I say, six and a half thousand people. His wife Sally uh, was leading it, uh, together with their daughters Megan and Gracie. Shop windows. It's quite touching, isn't it, really? Isn't that a nice thing in this day and age? My God. Puts a, puts a smile on your face and a tear in your eye. They had uh, photographs of him with the message, thank you, Andy. See? There are nice people out there. Falmouth is the place to go and live, I suspect, by the sound of it. Looks wonderful. Well done, the people of Falmouth. Hope you're listening this morning to the programme. It's about time people started bigging up places. Those are knocking them. It's nice to see something that's done, you know, really, really nicely, I think. Classical music may help fight dementia. Oh, there you go. That's a good one, actually. If you're a fan of Mozart... That will now be music to your ears. The study found that listening to classical melodies could help ward off dementia, but only if you are musically experienced. What the dickens does that mean? Finnish researchers played Mozart's violin concerto number three to a group of 48 volunteers and they monitored the responses. They found the music enhanced the activity of certain genes whilst lowering the effect of others. So there you go. Honestly, at the moment, I'll tell you, I'm running out of things to do in old age. Because, you know, you've got no idea. You know, can you drink this tea? Can you have that coffee? You're not supposed to have too much salt, so you mustn't have that on this. You mustn't have fried food all the time. That's bad for you. And now if you want to fight off dementia, play classical music. That explains a lot, doesn't it? And, uh, and Twiggy, who's in her 60s, she's 65, and she says tight trousers, leather, and a bold hairstyle are all fashion options for ladies in their 60s. Not everybody. I'll tell you the one who gets on my nerves. She advertises on uh, one of the shopping channels on the television. I think it's Ideal World. And I always forget her name, but she sells these scarf laces. I think she's called Moira C. Well, if, if anybody was ever classed as irritating, she'd be on the television. She sells these things, and she's been selling them. She must be in her 60s. She's been selling them for donkey's years, and she's got her daughters as well, who look like they're really embarrassed to be dragged up to do this kind of thing, and they all put them on and demonstrate them, and she sells loads. And she's obviously terribly popular. It's just that she's incredibly irritating. She's permanently up. There's no sort of down, but you really want to sort of knock her down into the ground a little bit, make her sort of a little bit less bouncy. The bouncy thing is really irritating. (laughs) And every time I said they go, and today we've got Moira C, and all the presenters had to be really nice to her, because presumably they're sort of, of, you know, the the more stuff you sell, the better it is, I suppose. Uh, In Luton, you could get a good car wash for £3, says Les. Yeah, and they'd nick the car at the same time. That'd be good, wouldn't it? You'd lose the car and pay the £3. A friend of mine nearly got caught by a scam the other day. He was on the internet doing something, and and he was paying by PayPal. And he paid 
for this item on PayPal, and then it disappeared. It disappeared. They, they couldn't find the person. And so he contacted PayPal, and they put it into a disputes procedure. And then this person came back and said, why have you put it into a disputes procedure? And he said, because you haven't delivered the goods that you're supposed to. And he said, well, he said, uh, I didn't trust you. So his friend of mine said, well, well, that doesn't matter. And he said, well, can you take it out of the disputes procedure, and then I'll send you the goods. So this friend of mine said, no, you send me the goods, and I'll take it out of the, out of the procedure. And so he said, no. So uh, he's, he's been taken off PayPal. I said, there's all sorts of things there. And then he just got, then he went on to another site to go and buy something else. And it's the same person again, but with a different name. But it's the same PayPal account, so quite clearly. And, he, and to make it worse, he's claiming to be a student in Twickenham. And I said to this friend of mine, surprisingly, I live in Twickenham. I said, why don't you get his photo up on the internet, print it off, I'll give it to the local paper, the Richmond and Twickenham Times, and we can, we, 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 we can stop him. If he's cheating people on the internet by thinking he can get away with things like this, by sort of hiding behind two different names, we can have him exposed. He said, he's, 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 he's at one of the colleges there where they obviously do fitness. I said, I know exactly where the college is. I know exactly where the college is. It's one of these sports colleges. So, you know, if we can expose him in the local paper, I'm all in favour of that. I love things like that. I'm, I, that, that, really, that really gets me going. I did that a while ago, actually. I knew somebody who was uh, illegally minicabbing, in other words, touting by the side of the streets. And so I phoned up this, uh, this number you can phone. I think it's the uh, DHS hotline or something, and said, he's, he's minicabbing. And so she said, well, what, what do you mean? He, he must work for a company. I said, no, he's touting by the side of the street. So she said to me, quite, quite sort of blazing, she said, uh, it's illegal. I said, it might be, but it doesn't stop him doing it. Loads of people do it. During the rugby, they're doing it all the time. All the time. Illegal minicabs in the streets just dropping people off because people want to get in, they want to get out again. And uh, we had loads of Scottish fans in town, and they were happily getting in and out of illegal minicabs. Oh, it goes on all the time. I don't know why people think it doesn't go on in London. still goes on now. Any of the, uh, any of the licensed drivers will tell you out there, you can watch people touting by the side of the road every, every hour of the day, if not minute of the day. Being diabetes, or beating diabetes, means you need to get a good night's sleep. If you don't get a good night's sleep, you won't beat diabetes. They still keep saying there could be a cure, but uh, sleeping does cut the risk of diabetes. If only they'd told me that all those years ago. Still to come, stuck behind a tractor on some of those country lanes. You know when you sit there thinking, oh, for God's sake, put your foot down. We know they can go fast. But apparently now there's a £100 fine. All you've got to do is you've got to fill 10,000 uh, tractors, get fined a year, and lorries that go very slowly. There's a £100 fine for them. Interesting. Elton John having his hissy fit with Dolce and Cabana. Uh, the man who's dared to tell the truth about race. This is Trevor Phillips. Eight years on, they're still talking about Madeleine McCann. Apparently... They're going to meet some of the prosecutors, the police here, who are over there in Portugal. Uh, fury over the Savile slur at Jezza and the town that's got 11 bookmakers. Where can that be? I'll tell you after the news, which is next on LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC.
Morning, a pretty nice to be company. It's Monday the 16th of March. The man who dares to tell the truth about race, it's Trevor Phillips. He's in the uh, papers today. Elton John and Dolce & Gabbana, they've had the biggest falling out that I think is ever possible to have. Uh, they've said that Elton's got synthetic children. Well, I mean, that's the wrong thing to say. That's red rag to a bull. Uh, Easter's cancelled. Uh, not necessarily cancelled. It's only because of the trains and they're doing a lot of, uh, a lot of, lot of repairs and that might affect your Easter holiday. Don't feed bread to the ducks. It makes them ill, it's affecting them badly, and it's wrecking rivers. But, of course, people will. The fury over the Savile slur at poor old Jeremy Clarkson, a BBC producer, says he's just like Jimmy Savile all over again. I can't quite believe it, can you, that somebody... I think they've either got their words mixed round the wrong way. They also said he needs to go into rehab, he's in a bad place. Whereas, as you know, everybody is jumping to, uh, to Jeremy Clarkson's defence. Nearly a million people... Nearly a million people. I mean, that is some phenomenal number, believe you me. A million people have called on the BBC to stop being like girls' blouses, just get on with it. Nobody's complained. In fact, they wouldn't even have known about it had he not phoned Mr Cohen at the BBC. So just get on with it, for goodness sake. Honestly, it's wasting everybody's time. And also, it's putting people out of work. Malcolm says, if you get stuck behind a tractor, it will stop you from speeding. So what's the problem? It's those country lanes that apparently they find them now. They find them for going too slowly. £100 is the, is the standard fine for doing things like that. And I, I sort of... We've all done it, haven't we? My mother was a terrible driver on the motorway. I mean, she really was terrible. She used to um, sort of sit there on the motorway and I'd go, overtake mum, overtake, and I became like the backseat driver from hell, I'm afraid. And she'd go, oh, and in, in a minute, and it was like a scene out of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, getting stuck underneath a lorry. Didn't quite go as bad as that, but it was, it was pretty close. Uh, beating diabetes, get a good night's sleep, they've said. Of course, they tell you this before you're going to get diabetes. If, if you've actually got diabetes, forget it, because you're, you're in it. The sick clubbers who took the photos of a dying teen and then posted it. I mean, really... That's got so bad. And the town that has 11 bookmakers. They've just licensed another bookmaker in the town. I always think that's a sign of a, of a town that's on its downers. If you've got bookmakers, I always think that's a bad thing to have. Very bad thing. Uh, Ricky Whittle, uh, making it to America, they say. I don't even, I'd forgotten who he was, to be honest with you. And the British trio, which Nick Ferrari is going to be talked about, stopped on their way to join ISIS. It now means, I think that the Turkish authorities have finally realised that there is a problem and you definitely need to stop these children travelling. And they are children, make no bones about it. They're people who are, uh, you know, they, they've been radicalised and for some reason they think they want to go out there and do something. I can't quite work out what you could ever say to anybody to make them go out and make ISIS seem appealing. Their, their, their track record is disgusting. Their human rights record is disgusting. Their treatment of women is possibly the worst ever. And yet three misguided simpletons go out there seemingly to think it's a nice place. But, uh, as I say, they'll be, they'll be finding out exactly before long just how bad life can be for them out there. Not so good. Uh, why not use sea salt rather than nasty, cheap table salt? This is for the... Um, Everywhere, people are using salt in a lot of the meals for children in restaurants. And they're using too much. Burger King, top of the list, more than 4.3 grams of salt. And the, the legal limits, or the limits, you know, before it becomes dangerous, is about two. So, And I said, why? Because um, exactly the same in McDonald's. They sprinkle salt all over the chips. The chips come out, they shake them, they put them in the thing, and then they sprinkle salt over them. Can't people eat without salt? Do they, I mean, should they not be offering two sorts of chips? Ones which, because I don't want salt on my chips, but it's too late. 
If you want to eat McDonald's fries, they've got salt on. They come with salt on. Whereas if you go to the fish and chip shop, they give you the chips. You put the salt on if you, you know, if you want salt on there. If you don't want salt on there, don't put salt on there. McDonald's need to get a on the wrist, I think, and to make them stop using salt. Make it a lot easier. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, 11 bookmakers, says Kevin the Milkman. Why do I think it's Harlow? It's not. It's not Harlow, surprisingly. He says, I think they have at least 11. <laughs> it's it's definitely not Harlow. <laughs> You're right, it could have been. Or felling that Witten, fairly popular. That's got, that's got sort of a huge... Uh, I think it's got an Iceland and it's got bookmakers, whereas Twickenham, we just have the charity shops, which is hilarious. We've got so many charity shops now. And, of course, they they did a thing in the paper the other day about the amount of people who thieve from charity shops. And it's mainly the people who work in them. Because there's all sorts of very dodgy people who work in charity shops now. Because nobody seems to oversee them. They just go, oh, yeah, would you like to work in the charity shop? Yeah. One for me, two for you, three for me, one for you. 84850, steve at uk. And uh, we look at the front pages of the papers today, just so you know. And uh, one here, for the life of me, I don't understand why we want to try and stop these who want to go to Syria. Just put a stamp in the passport saying, no return. Well, they only bought a one-way ticket, these girls. They only bought a one-way ticket. I don't want to see them back here. Wasn't too sure I wanted to see the three boys back here either. If they were stupid enough to go out there, they must be stupid enough to be thrown into prison. But I think they're out on bail. So let's run through the front pages of the papers. This is what everybody's saying as we head into Easter and freezing cold weather. I don't think it's going to get much better, is it? I really can't. I really can't think that it's going to get any better. There's a mum on the front page of the Mirror today. The cruelest cut yet. The killer who took her son and the bedroom tax has now taken her home. This is Carol Hall, penalised after her son Scott's death. Uh, left her living alone. She said, it's more than I can bear. It's a very sad story, actually. It really is. I'm sure that something will be, will be done about it. Uh, the other story in the, uh, in the papers today that they're running with is uh, Freddie Flintoff finally snatched victory. He's been in uh, I'm a Celebrity. Apparently he was crowned King of the Jungle after howling audience is uh, over with his jokes and revelations about ditching booze and beating depression. Isn't it sad, honestly, really, that, you know, one-time great sportsmen and women end up doing... Reality shows. And I suppose we sit there and laugh and don't laugh at them. Elton John's Fury. Reg has had one of the hissy fits of all hissy fits. This is at the Dolce & Cabana jibes at gay families and IVF. Now, Dolce & Cabana were an item for many years. Uh, they're not now. Uh, they both have apartments in the same block. Uh, they share houses around the world. They have a yacht in Monte Carlo. They're very, very rich, very, very successful. But they've fallen out with Elton John big time. Uh, because he, they said of him that uh, their babies are synthetic. They've said gay marriages are wrong. They're Roman Catholic. You see, it doesn't really... I mean, I think everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. But Elton has, uh, has reacted very badly. He says, How dare you refer to my beautiful children as synthetic and shame on you for wagging your judgmental little fingers at IVF. You see, the funny thing is, as opposed to picking up the phone and talking to them, they do all this kind of stuff now publicly. So he's done it on, on Twitter. He says, I shall never wear Dolce & Gabbana ever again. I mean, this is the hissy fit of all hissy fit. I'm never going to wear it. How dare you say things like that about my, my beautiful children. I'm never go- I'm going to throw it all out, all out, burn it, do anything with it. And I'm going to tell all my friend to do exactly the same thing. And so, but as I said earlier on, I don't have any Dolce & Gabbana in my wardrobe. 
not in my size anymore, but uh, I do have... I think I might... Actually, on reflection, I think I might have one piece. One piece. But uh, but there are lots of, of people who are big fans. Sophia Loren, you know, and uh, I think you'll find Madonna, Missy Elliott, Beyonce, Kylie, Mary J. Blige. There's pictures uh, in the paper today of um, Victoria Beckham, Naomi Campbell. So, uh, because all these people are friendly with Elton. Now, I wonder whether we're going to have the Elton camp... I mean that in the nicest possible way. And the Dolce and Gabbana camp. I wonder whether, whether they will ever kiss and make up. Uh, and so they've got lots of people talking about IVF and lots of people talking about, you know, they're wrong. Uh, Elton has said your archaic thinking is out of step with the times, like your fashion. Now, that's when it descends into girly chit-chat. That's a bit silly because obviously Elton John wears Dolce & Gabbana. And so he goes, you're out of step with the times like your fashion, which of course they aren't. That's why they are terribly, terribly successful. Also in the papers today is the Tory chairman, Grant Shapps. Grant Shapps has finally admitted having a job as a web, as a web marketeer whilst also working as an MP. And uh, John Mann, Labour MP, is called, says he needs to resign first thing Monday morning. He's got no credibility whatsoever. He's always denied he worked for a web marketing firm. But anyway, finally, he's, uh, he's admitted that, that he did. So he's obviously a fibber as well. Can't tell fibs, can you, and get away with it in this day and age, because they find out. They find out. The bedroom tax, losing Scott and my home, is more than I can bear. And so they've got this awful story of Carol Hall, who shared her rented property with her beloved Scott for 21 years. He was beaten by two vicious yobs and died of a brain hemorrhage. Now she's fallen victim to the cruel bedroom tax, meaning her housing benefits being cut as a three-bed semi is considered too big for her. That's on the uh, the front page of the Mirror. Plus, they've also got... They, they have the picture of Elton and the two gorgeous kids, Elijah and, uh, and Zachary. And they are gorgeous. Synthetic? You can make up your own mind. 6.15. McFrary and the team breakfast this morning. Those three British teenagers held by police after being sent back to the UK from Turkey on suspicion of terrorism offences. Could it mark a turning point? in the crackdown on gap-year jihadis. The NHS owed more than £60 million. This is from the health tourists using British hospitals over five years. One person, £420,000. And they have no intention of paying. I suggest we pursue to the ends of the earth. The government should be doing more to chase these people up. They've had treatment on the NHS. We've all paid into it for years. They should pay as well. Daisy McAndrew, political journalist and broadcasters, doing the paper review with Nick this morning. That's all after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Uh, Patsy says, I've known Morrisons all my life since Ken retired and the new directors took over. Profits tumbling and Anton Deck can't be blamed. The trouble is, Patsy, they spent a fortune employing Anton Deck to reverse the fortunes. That's why you didn't bring them in there because you quite like their show on the television. They brought them in there because they work on the assumption, like you use anybody on an advert, that if, if somebody's very popular on the television and their programme appeal to everybody, if you put them on the advert for Morrisons, that will direct people to Morrisons. That's how it works. And they obviously weren't very successful on there because the profits continued to tumble. I mean, the staff might be lovely and wonderful and things like that, but at the end of the day, it's profits. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for profits. They're having to close loads of stores because it just isn't, uh, it isn't working for them. Perhaps it wasn't Anton Deck. Who knows? Mind you, I don't, I'm not allowed to comment on adverts on LBC, but I did hear that one a short while ago where I, the, the person who's won on the lottery. I got quite excited by that. I just suppose because I thought, because I've imagined myself in that situation. Hello, my name's Steve. Hello, I think I've got a winning ticket. Sorry? £25. Thank, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Put the phone down again. I mean, it's as simple as that. He phoned up, he said, he says, I think I've got a winning ticket. I got quite excited. 
Because how many times have you fantasised that you've won the lottery or just anybody phoning you up telling you won something? I got excited the other day. It said, congratulations, Steve. You know, three, three, three tickets and one money. I was so excited. So excited. I thought, I'll postpone it till I've had half a bottle of Prosecco just to make sure it really sinks in. And then I can scream all by myself in the bathroom, lock myself in there, turn the light and go, yeah! And uh, £47.50. Hardly worth bothering. So I wrote to him and said, don't ever write to me again unless it's six million or over. I do not want to know. Give it to give it to well-meaning charities. The Jeremy Clarkson Fund for Retired Presenters sounds like a fairly popular one at the, uh, at the moment. Uh, on the subject of uh, Jeremy Clarkson, I think he's great, says James. Why don't we stop paying the licence fee? No. <laughs> you can't do things like that. That would be ridiculous. You have to pay the licence fee. But at the moment, the BBC are losing a fortune. They're seriously losing a lot of money. They've got to they've got to come up with a solution to this thing. Stop faffing around. Nobody's complained. The stupid thing is, nobody has complained. Nobody's complained. You know, the, the person who is at the other side of the altercation, he's not complained. He just wants to get back to work. And I bet if you said, um, OK, w- w- would you like Jeremy Clarkson fired? No, of course I wouldn't. He wants to work in the business. You know, it's just ridiculous. Just get on with it, Mr. Cohen. Stop faffing around and shilly-shallying. Because let's face it, you never knew about it till Mr. Clarkson phoned you. Well, there you go. So true about the charity shop, says Paul. A couple of years ago, I went for an interview to manage one. Rather than interview me at the branch I'd be working at, I was seen at the one nearest to me. Whilst I waited, I was horrified to see two assistants going through items just delivered and putting stuff in their own bags. When I mentioned that to the area manager who interviewed me, he said it was the norm and they were allowed to as they were volunteers. Though they offered me the job, I declined it and I've never given them any money since. Yes, I mean, oh, I'm, I'm totally convinced there's three charity shops in Twickenham where they're being robbed blind by the people working there. It's appalling, really, isn't it? It is. I mean, it really is. It just drives me mad. Little things drive me mad, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, dear. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Steve, my driver was more than unhappy. His car radio was on the blink this morning. And he was missing his morning LBC fix. That's the trouble. That's the trouble. Never wear Dolchinger Banner again, says Andrew. I'm joining Elton's protest, assuming that's Denham and Gabardine. Um, uh, they were sued. The two brothers opened Dolchinger and, and uh, Cafana in Belgrade. Name meant Sweets and Cafe, sued by the Italian couple. Well, of course, because they're playing on the, uh, on the name of it, which I think is uh, right. Malcolm says, I used to love tractors. Now, now I can't stand them. At all. Uh, what a silly little publicity game, says John the Projectionist. Is the BBC playing? I understand contracts for Messrs. Clarkson, Hammond and May were due to expire at the end of March anyway, so any perceived dismissals would be academic, not even worth the paper they're printed on. And then uh, Helen says, what do you mean dodgy people work in charity shops? Thieves, Helen. People who thieve. They work in the charity shops and they thieve from the charity. That's dodgy people. That's thieving. OK, you understand that? Good. Uh, Shane the Train says, that's how to get fresh hot fries at McDonald's. Ask for no salt and they cook you fresh ones. Really? God, there's all these things you have to be doing that. They will do that, do you think so? Wow. Uh, Patsy says, the BBC obviously feel they were badly treated over Savile. Well, they turned a blind eye to it, didn't they? They turned a blind eye. They didn't actually do anything at all. They just It went on for years and years and years. Uh, the, day, the, day, uh, the Daily Mail today on the front page, the blonde who's comforting Clarkson. I don't think he needs comforting. He's, he's, you know, people are putting him down like he's some weak, pathetic person. He's absolutely not. Uh, also, at last, the ex-race star says silencing of, of debate has done devastating harm to Britain. And that's Trevor Phillips. The Daily Express today, sleeping cuts risk of diabetes. Michael Douglas, the world must end anti-Semitism after his son was targeted. Uh, the Sun, 
Cop Killer Roberts, Easy Life. Uh, Kelly Brook has found somebody else to take a picture of her. And uh, Wayne Rooney, who apparently is a bit of a joker. <laughs> You'd have to be to wear that hair, wouldn't you? Uh, the BBC producer on the front of the Metro, who's in hiding. And uh, fun in the, uh, the sun for Kate Hudson. And the Coldplay star. It's all going on, isn't it, really? Here's a nice picture. And this is Nick Clegg and his wife, uh, Miriam Gondalez, arriving at the Lib Dem Spring Conference in Liverpool. Uh, Blair rethinking his role as Middle East peace envoy in the British trio stopped on the way to join the Islamic State. Teenagers caught in Turkey after parents tip off. That's it for this morning. Thank you so much for your company. Welcome to Monday. Welcome to another cold day, a little bit wet as well, but nothing, nothing too much to worry about. I'm sure you can all cope quite nicely. You can listen to LBC whenever, wherever you, you can download the LBC app or there's TuneIn Radio 2. And if you missed any of today's show, there's our podcast service. Uh, I'll have a free podcast for you up in about 15, 20 minutes' time, and then the rest of the programme up a little bit later on. If you go to lbc.co.uk, you can learn all about podcasting. I'm Steve Allen, back tomorrow morning at four. Have a great day, everybody. Don't forget to download the programme later and to download the In Conversation as well. At seven, it's Nick Ferrari next. Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This.